from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, Starting up a a little bit later here because we are going to go longer on the show today. Plenty Plenty coming up for you on the broadcast. Can't wait to share this show with you. Very, very excited about the opportunity that we have on today's show because as you know on Fridays we not only are here on wakeupcalldt.com and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt but in the second hour of the show we're always on Facebook live so you can watch the show on Fridays by going to facebook.com backslash live now dt that's facebook.com backslash live now dt so today is a little bit different I'm gonna let you know what that is in the morning menu Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu that is live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. The morning menu proudly brought to you by all of the great companies of Central and Upstate New York that we're proud to work with. You can check that out by going to wakeupcalldt.com and clicking on the Central New York tab. And under that tab, you can see all the businesses. You can also scroll down on the homepage under the live feed and see all the businesses there as well. Click on each of their logos to get more info and make sure that you give your patronage your time and your hard-spent cash, when you are going to go out and you are going to spend it, make sure you spend it with the right people, the right businesses, and those that truly care about you. And you will find those businesses on wakeupcalldt.com. I want to thank each and every single one of them for being a part of the show and partnering with my company, Carvel DeWitt, Chick-fil-A Cicero, FanHands.com, the Penn and Trophy Center now in East Syracuse, True by Hilton, Camillus, and Township 5 right there, by Movie Tavern in Costco, the Press Room Pub downtown on 220 Herald Place in Syracuse, New York, Canine Campground in East Syracuse right by the Penn and Trophy Center across from BJ's, Looking Glass Events, Dry Sig Lady and Dry Sig Apparel, that's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G for Dry Sig, the Wildcat in Camillus on 3680 Milton Avenue, and pardon me, I want to go back here, Chick-fil-A is on 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, Carvel DeWitt, the longest standing Carvel franchise in the continental United States, is located on 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York. It's what happy tastes like. And the home of the Wake Up Call Sunday. Also want to give a shout out to Lawrence L.J. Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty for commercial and personal selling and buying as well as investing. Call 315-748-2524. That's 315-748-2524. Giovanni's Tuxedos and Formal Wear, Honda City of Liverpool, located on 7160 Henry Clay Boulevard in Liverpool, New York. Utica Pizza Company, the home of the wake-up call number one pick, Chicken Riggy Pizza, is on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York for catering 
as well as takeout, dine-in, and delivery. Call 315-214-3060 and 315 Chiropractic and Wellness. So thank you to everybody that's a part of the family. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Our quick links right below that on the homepage of wakeupcalldt.com have changed up a little bit. So you can see our quick link to Syracuse football, quick link to Syracuse men's basketball, fantasy football advice quick link where you can click to get our fantasy advice every single week. If you click on the fantasy football under the helmet, you will see every single week of fantasy advice that we've given so far. You can also get our previews of all of the divisions this season and so much more as it continuously gets added to every week. You can go to the Jaguars coverage on the prowl, giving you featured articles and broadcasts from Duval. So you can check that out on the prowl by going to the Jaguars uh, link right underneath the helmet. And then we have the Pop Festival. We're already planning year two of the CNY Pop Festival. You can get more information on that by clicking there. And the on-demand radio archive on Podbean that has over 1,000 shows, now 1,027 this morning. You can click on the on-demand portal to get those shows and go all the way back to July of 2012. So quick links are there for you. Under that is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So plenty to get as well as the ticker on the top that tells you what's coming up this week, and so much more. So thank you to everybody that supports what we do here. We appreciate and support you right back, and God bless with that. With that being said, it's time to step into the first part of the morning menu, which is the annoying moment of the week. We're going to do the annoying moment of the week, proudly presented by Carvel DeWitt. After the annoying moment of the week, we will be bringing you significant sound bites. Significant sound bites this week, though, will be on video and audio, and we're going to split it up to a, into a bunch of parts. So you're going to be able around 9.30 a.m. Eastern time to listen here on MixLR.com backslash DT and also watch on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. We're going to have a, a video on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT, live video of the coaches' Q&As with me this week from the American Athletic Conference. You'll hear from Sonny Dykes of SMU, as well as Temple head coach Jeff Collins. You will hear from Major Applewhite of Houston, Mike Norvell of Memphis, Willie Fritz of Tulane, Charlie Strong of South Florida, Philip Montgomery of Tulsa, Scotty Montgomery of East Carolina, Luke Fickle of Cincinnati, and Randy Etzel of UConn, who just played Syracuse this past week, and then you will, and you will also hear from part of me, Josh Heupel of of Central Florida, and then we'll end that video, start a new one on Facebook.com/backslash/LiveNowDT, where you will hear from the ACC coaches Q and A's with me, and that is Pat Narduzzi of Pittsburgh. You will also hear from Willie Taggart of Florida State, Dave Clawson of Wake Forest, Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech and Bronco Mendenhall of Virginia. We'll end that video and start a Syracuse video, getting you ready for Clemson. You'll hear my Q&A with Dino Babers this week. You'll also hear from Syracuse quarterback Eric Dungy in my Q&A, Jarvion Howard, running back of the team in my Q&A, and Mo Neal in my Q&A as well. So all of those will be coming up, and then we'll go to our normal video in Collectible Corner with John Newman and Jordan Newman of Newman Sports Cards, where we are your late-night talk show in the morning 
We'll be giving you some sports card feel, talking about some cards, showcasing some cards on the show today. And after doing that, I mean, and during doing that, obviously, we will do what we always do, which is talk about family and bringing people together, positivity. We'll give you some laughter, some fun. We'll have a, a grand old time here on the broadcast. So make sure you're tuning in all the way through today. We are 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. Most likely, we're going to be going past 11 a.m. this morning. So we're going to TGIF with you for as long as we can. And we're going to be shooting, so we're airing some new video here for you. So you're going to get plenty of video here on today's broadcast, which I'm very excited about. We're testing out some new things that I think you're really going to love, and we're going to have some fun. So with that being said, let's hop into the annoying moment of the week. Dan Tortora proudly brings you... Is that for real? Are you kidding me? The annoying moment of the week. I, I really, honest, I don't know how to respond to this. Presented by Carvel DeWitt, 4322 East Genesee Street. It's what happy tastes like. Do you have to be that crazy? I guess so. <laughs> The Annoying Moment of the Week, proudly presented by Carvel DeWitt for this morning on Friday, September 28th, 2018. My Annoying Moment of the Week is something, it has to do with something that I posted this week. And essentially what I posted is on Facebook, and you can check it out, is a statement that I put up yesterday. And that statement that I wrote is as follows. 1% of us take risks. 99% critique us for it. So 1% of us take risks. 99% of us, 99% critique us for it. And that's the truth of the matter. That's the reality, folks. Taking risks out there, being a, having the faith in yourself, having the faith in your ideas and what your hopes and your dreams are, you taking that risk puts you in a situation where you may not be treated fairly, people may copycat you, people may critique what you're doing, but then steal it, tell you what you're doing is wrong, but then try to klepto it. That's just the way that it is. And unfortunately, it's the world we live in today. 1% of us will take risks, and the other 99% will critique the risks that we take critique how we how we feel about so or critique what they think about how we're going about what we're doing and that is the great unfortunate folks is that you know we're the ones that are going out there fighting the good fight and we don't anticipate or want to have to deal with you know people's response to us fighting the good fight but there are very few of us that are willing to start our own companies begin our own shows to, you know, create our own avenues. If we feel like uh, women aren't treated fairly in a certain workplace to, to try and, and change that and, you know, to distance ourselves from things, to, to get away from people that are not healthy for us. There's a lot of different things that we can do in our lives that are going to piss people off. But standing on the wall should not be one of them. And because in all honesty, in all reality, standing on the wall doesn't help anybody out. Standing on the wall only helps out. Well, I shouldn't say it doesn't help anybody out. It helps out the people that are against you. That's what standing on the wall will do for you. Because standing on the wall doesn't have any positivity to it except for that one. And the, the and it's a negativity to it. It's a positivity for those that want to see you fail. 
It's a positivity for those that don't want to see what you're doing be successful. You'll help them out, but you're not going to help yourself out. And those types of things, they have to stop. You can't do that to yourself. You can't be negative to yourself and hurtful to yourself because it'll never turn out the way you want it to. I can promise you that 100% of the shots that you don't take will never go in. And that is the truth of the matter. 100% of the shots that you don't take in life will absolutely positively never go in the basket. So you don't have to worry about those shots if you don't ever want to take a risk. You don't have to worry. You could just sit here and be a meek little mouse and sit in the corner. But that usually breeds contempt. It usually breeds people getting very upset, frustrated, and angry. And what that and what that'll lead to is exactly what we're seeing, the negativity of people out there. So, my annoying moment of the week is if you have a problem with what's, with what somebody's doing, what someone's going after, what somebody's hoping for and wishing for, that usually means that you're not happy yourself. And if you're not happy with your own life, then I know it's hard to do this, and I know you don't want to do this, and I know you don't want to hear this this morning, but if you're attacking other people and attacking people for chasing their dreams and critiquing everything that they are doing, I'm going to promise you something. It means you're not happy. It means there's something broken inside of you that needs to be fixed. And in order to fix what's broken inside of you, you need to be willing to change your life. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody else is going to change that life for you. They're not going to come into your life and do this and do that and do the other thing. If you want your life to be better, you have to be willing to change it for yourself. And if you're not willing to change your life for yourself, that's your own problem. It's not mine. It's not the guy down the street or the lady up the road. That's your fault. 99% critique those that take risks. 1% of us take the risk. 1% of us start our own companies. 1% of us go after something. When somebody says you can't live in New York City or you can't live outside of here or you'll never be somebody, you'll never do this. I can speak from my own point of view. My company, podcasting, when I started 10 years ago, it was crazy. It was stupid to some people. Why would you leave traditional radio? Don't you miss it? How are you going to get your name out there? How are you going to get your voice out there? Who's going to listen to it? Then you start the company and you have people in the media critique it because it's different and it's threatening to them. And the more I go on and the more that I do, it's, well, how do you make money? Well, how do you do this? Well, how do you travel? Well, who does this? Well, who does that? Well, how does this happen? Well, why do you do that? Why do you work so hard with that? You get all of these questions, all of these questions about why, 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 why? But I can answer those questions. You know why? Because I was willing to take the risk. I was willing to step foot out there and build something out of thin air. I was willing to believe in myself and bet on myself. 99% of the people out, that, out there will critique people for taking risks, critique people for chasing their dreams. You may, not, you may like LeBron James. You may not like LeBron James. But the reality of it all is LeBron James is doing what he wants to do. And you have no right to tell him he shouldn't or he can't. Not hurting anybody. Maybe he's beating your team, but he's not hurting anybody. 1% of us take risks. 99% sit back with popcorn, watch, and hope that we fail or want to critique it or this, that, and the other. That's the reality of the world. There's a really big audience in a very small stage. Think about the world like you think about a football stadium. There's 70,000 seats, but there's only 22 players on the field. Those 22, they're taking risks. The 70,000, they're watching. 
There's a lot of watchers, very few doers. So for those of us that are proud to go out there and live our dreams and do what we say what we're going to do and give everything that we possibly can, spend a ton of time, spend a ton of money, spend a ton of energy and, and sit back and say, I hope to God this works. We're the ones creating the entertainment for the audience. We're the ones that are putting something on the field for the stadium to see. Never be ashamed of that because there's so very few of us that, that literally use the guts we got and take that chance. Roll that dice and take that risk. Risks aren't bad things to take. When you're betting on yourself, you're doing your research, and you believe in what you're doing, and you know that God's behind you in what you're doing. Those are the good risks. Risks aren't bad. But tightrope walking is done by few, watched by many. I'm happy you joined me on the tightrope, and I appreciate it tremendously. Thank you so much to everybody that's a doer, a risk taker, and a believer who bets on themselves. God bless to each and every one of us for that. And thank you to God for giving us the faith to do it. And if you think, well, I'm a 99 percenter, Dan, what did God do? He didn't give me what I was supposed to get. It's not true. Look a little bit deeper. It's in there. We'll take a step aside after the annoying moment of the week right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satoro. When we come back for the first time ever, we're going to be live on Facebook for the rest of the show today. Facebook.com backslash live now DT. You're going to be able to see and hear from the ACC, the American Athletic, and Syracuse all coming up before Collectible Corner right here where sports meets life. Continue to listen on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT and also find us on facebook.com backslash live now DT. And so once again, radio mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT. Facebook Live is on facebook.com backslash live now DT. We'll be back on both in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature Top It breakfast bar with over 30 different toppings to personalize the most important meal of the day, all complimentary with your stay. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to Canine Campground. Because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? (laughs) So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying. In the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin. Because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check Canine 
campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to K9 Campground. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Pendant Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is pen and trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue, in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. And we appreciate you being here. We're also very excited to say that as of right now in three, two, one, we are here on the broadcast. That's the first coach coming up. So uh, I'll show you. I'll show you the face here. Newman's in the dark. That's where Newman has to sit when he's not on the broadcast yet. He has to sit in the corner away from everything. So no, I'm kidding. But we're here this morning. Very excited to have you here on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now DT. Thank you to all of our listeners Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, featured on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. And on Fridays, you know that we do live video in the studio. We're looking to do more. Collectible Corner was the first segment of Wake Up Call to ever put on live on Facebook Live. And now we're going to have the American Athletic Conference coaches. Our next video today is going to be the ACC coaches. And then after that, the Syracuse team. We're going to hear from Dino Babers, Eric Dungy, as well as Jarvion Howard and Mo Neal. 
and then from there we're going to get into some other really cool stuff so i'm very excited very very appreciative of this moment and i thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast so without further ado let's step into our first coach of the american athletic conference that we're going to hear from today and that is Mr. Sonny Dykes. You're going to hear my questions to Sonny Dykes and his direct answers to those questions right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. And so I'm very appreciative to have him on the show, and I thank him so much for his time. With that being said, Sonny Dykes has his first win ever as the head coach of SMU four games into the season, defeated Navy on the road at Navy, and here is our Q&A for you at SMU and just what you can say about I know that you guys have been close in other games here and just what you know this victory means for the team what it does for the morale and, and moving forward yeah I mean I think you know I think the thing that has been you know really uh, you know, has been kind of our philosophy since since we, we took over as a coach and staff has just been you know let's just get better let's improve and you know we set the bar really low in week one um, and, you know, and we played, because uh, uh, I felt like we didn't play, I felt like we played about three good plays in, in the the first game against North Texas, and again, North Texas had a lot to do with that, but, but we didn't feel like we played well, uh, and then week two, um, you know, against TCU, we felt like we played well at times, um, you know, we didn't, we, we, you know, wasn't as, as good as we needed to, to, to have a chance to beat a good a top 20 football team. And then same thing week three. You know, we felt like we were learning how to compete. We felt like we were playing harder. You know, all those kind of things that, that you know, if you don't play hard, you're not going to beat anybody in college football. You know, that's that's the thing I think that, that we know as coaches and sometimes the players don't believe it. But if we play like we played – against North Texas, against Houston Baptist, I and mean, we'll lose, and we'll lose big. Um, and, and so you just have to get ready to, to play. You know, that's just part of part of what you do. And so, you know, we just wanted to get better, uh, and we talked to our players about just trusting the process and learning how to play, you know, with fanatical effort and what that looks like and what our expectations are. And, and you know, and, and some things fell into place for us, and, and our guys just kept playing hard even though we – we made some mistakes. You know, we had an opportunity against Navy to go up, you know, 10 points if we kick an extra point. And, you know, the extra point gets blocked and returned for a, for a two-point conversion. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're about to be two scores ahead of, of Navy. It's often, their offense is not, not necessarily built to score fast. You know, with seven and a half minutes to go in the game, instead now it's a one-possession game. And so, you know, we made some mistakes that, that really hurt us. But I was proud of our guys for, you know, just keeping their head down and, and playing harder and, and being disciplined and all the things that you have to do to give yourself a chance to win. And so we're – it's a process for us right now to go through that and to do those things. Um, but, you know, I think we got better. And then as far as William Brown and Ben Hicks, just what you can say about, you know, utilizing them moving forward and just what you've taken away from – starting with Hicks, working in Brown, and then obviously Hicks doing some good things in this game, but Brown having the majority of it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, it's always the same thing. I think you got to go with your feel a little bit, and I just felt like, you know, Will is, Will is a true freshman, um, and, you know, and everyone in our program believes in Will. You know, I think he responded incredibly well to an adverse situation 
uh, in the Michigan game in front of 110,000 people. You know, it was his first significant action. He, you know, that never bothered him, didn't concern him. You know, I felt like at the end of that game Saturday where we were, you know, we were banged up at running back. Uh, two of our three running backs were out of the game with injuries. Uh, Braden West had carried the ball. I touched it, you know, 35 times and, and was, you know, worn out. Um, and so I felt like, you know, look, we need to throw the ball in order to be able to score here. And, uh, and so I, I just felt like Ben gave us the best opportunity to win the game. So we, we went that way, and, and Ben did exactly what you would expect a veteran quarterback to do. He came in, he made good decisions, he got the ball to our playmakers, and, and uh, you know, and we were able to, to convert, you know, convert that two-point play. And so, um, you know, I, I think both quarterbacks uh, give us an opportunity to win. Uh, they're different in their skill set and, and their strengths and their weaknesses. Uh, which is also good for us. I think it allows us to evolve as an offense. Um, but, you know, the thing that's so important to us is we're trying to teach the importance of practice and practicing well to our players. And, and so what we'll do this week is we'll roll the ball out, let those two guys compete for the job, see who wins it, and, and go play a game on Saturday and you know, do it all over again next week. That coming from Sonny Dykes of... SMU, the SMU Mustangs, like I said, winning their first game of the season in four tries and first game in the Sunny Dykes era at SMU down in Texas. They will host Houston Baptist on Saturday, September 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN3, a.k.a. Watch ESPN. So that is from Sunny Dykes. Moving on to our next coach here who is Jeff Collins of Temple. We'll move into my Q&A with Jeff Collins of Temple right here, right now on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, heading into week five of college football. Look at uh, the defensive side of the ball for you through these first four games, uh, an interception in every single game at least, multiple ones most recently. Just what you could say about your team's ability to spy on the quarterback, obviously know that film and to make the most of those opportunities with takeaways every single game so far. Yeah, absolutely. That's That's been a high priority for us. Um, you know, this defensive scheme, you know, is built to create mayhem and create chaos and to cause confusion for the quarterbacks and to you know, create turnovers. Um, I didn't feel that we had done that enough last year. Um, but Coach Stacker and the rest of the defensive staff and our defensive players, the defensive leaders, are really focusing on creating turnovers, getting the ball, um, and it's not just interceptions. You know, those are going to come. Um, you know, they're really the players, but the big thing is creating turnovers, creating fumbles, and uh, you know that was one of the biggest things that I was proud of. We actually uh, forced a couple of more that either went out of bounds or they, you know, were uh, a half a step. Uh, to the ball before us to recover. So there are more balls on the ground, but we want to cause fumbles, strip the ball out, create takeaways, and that is a huge emphasis on, on everything that we do in this program, from our coaches to our players, everybody in the organization. And I wanted to ask you about a guy that we spoke about early on in the season, uh, safety Rodney Williams, just what you've seen through yeah. the first four games from his play so far. Yeah, I think he's gotten better every single week, gotten more comfortable in the scheme. Uh, understanding leverage, understanding where his help is. And, uh, you know, he played 95 plays uh, last Thursday night, and he's not 100% healthy, but he's out there battling. Uh, he's really embraced our culture of being tough, being physical, and uh, just really proud of him. So glad that he's here on our, on our football team. 
and uh, you know he's one of the leaders, and uh, you know does a tremendous job in teaching the young guys how to go about their business. Um, him and Rocky Asin, uh, if you put the man hours that they put in studying their opponent, uh, working on their craft, working on their game, um, it's astronomical. So that the young guys in this program, the young DBs especially, um, are learning how to play at a high level just by watching, uh, you know, Rodney Williams and Rocky Asin and Delvon Randall how they prepare. That coming from Jeff Collins once again. Jeff Collins speaking on Rodney Williams, who is a former Syracuse safety who transferred for his final season of eligibility to Temple. And Temple will be on the road at Boston College. Two big and two big two teams that definitely are doing better things than maybe nationally. They get the respect and appreciation for the Temple Owls doing what they're doing under Jeff Collins in his second season. And Steve Adazio, four out of the last five years, going to a bowl game with Boston College. Right before he was with Boston College, he was with Temple, and he helped lead Temple back into the Big East the season before it dissolved, which allowed Temple to move forward and become part of the American Athletic Conference. So there is a connection with Steve Adazio here, and definitely two teams that are gritty, that'll get after it, a Philly team and a Boston team. And I, I think this game is going to be one of the better ones, so you should watch it. ESPNU and watch ESPN Saturday, September 29th at noon Eastern time. With that being said, the next coach we have coming up here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora that I had a Q&A with this week from the American Athletic Conference is Major Apple White of Houston. And this is what we had to say when we had the opportunity to speak with each other this week in week five of college football. It, like you said, you know, could have come out lackluster. The team did not. Just what you can say about the explosivity of the team this season and at the same time their focus. So being explosive all throughout, you know, the phases of the game that you have, but also being able to zero in on who they have that week and treat every week like zero zero. Yeah, I mean, it's you work for these 12 games and you, you spend countless hours. I mean, it's it's a lot of practices. We counted over 100, you know, 100 practices fall, spring, um, in-season practices for these 12 games. And, you know, we need to be grateful. We, we talk about that as a team. Be grateful for these opportunities to go out and prove yourself as a team. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to spend all this time and all this energy through junior high and high school and off-season and, and workouts to, to be given this opportunity to play college ball and, and have a, one of your 12 games on a Saturday and not be excited for it. So, uh, we spend a lot of time talking about being grateful about it. Um, and then we, you know, really dive into our opponents and we, we talk about specifically what we've got to do offensively, defensively, but specifically by position and what we need to do by individuals to win our one-on-one matchups. And so it brings a personal level to the game. Um, you know, three of the four games that we played this year, we've been very successful with that one game we haven't been. But uh, our approach and, and how we take on our opponents and respecting everybody and giving them value as opponents regardless of where they're ranked or what's said about them is, is important in terms of going about your preparation and obviously uh, king has played well so far this season for you but clayton tune got to get in and get some reps just speak on the importance of those reps for the freshman and just what you took away from him at quarterback yeah i think it's it's immeasurable to get out there in a game and take real hits at real speed uh it will it will serve him very well january through next august uh, in terms of just how he studies film, how he prepares. Um, I, I remember as a redshirt freshman going out and playing my first game against New Mexico State in backup duty. And the, the second game, uh, 
I played in, our starter got hurt, and I was thrown into a, a game in the Rose Bowl against UCLA out there. And just those four, five, six snaps uh, in the first game took away some nerves, took away some uh, anxiety, uh, helped me understand you know, how the ball is coming up on the snap, how fast everything's moving. And I think that that's immeasurable in, 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 at all positions. But from Clayton's standpoint, just how to operate, how to get in and out of plays, play clock. Uh, that, like I said, that was serving very well January through August. Um, the intensity and, and, the, and the preparation that he'll have next next spring and off season will, will be more real for him. I think it'll help him more. That coming from Major Applewhite of Houston in our Q and A with one another on the American Athletic Teleconference this week. I want to thank the AAC, as always, for providing the teleconference opportunity for people like myself so that we can do what we need to do and get the coverage out to you, the fans, all across the country and around the world. So thank you so much to the AAC, Chuck Sullivan, and the entire team for that. Houston is off this week. They will next play on October 4th against Tulsa. That game will be at home in Houston at 8 p.m. Eastern time on what they like to call Espen. So ESPN, it'll be on there. And I believe that is a Thursday night game that we're going to see. And that that game, yes, in fact, it is uh, Thursday night. So next Thursday, you will see them go up against one another, that being Tulsa at Houston. And being on the other side of that matchup, speaking of Tulsa at Houston, Philip Montgomery is another coach I had the opportunity to speak with from the American Athletic Conference. This is what Philip Montgomery had to say when we got to speak this week. Taylor and Brooks, and we've spoken about in the past, so within the last couple of weeks, just what you can say about you know how they're looking going into this bye week and just what you're seeing from your rushing attack and what you've taken away, because I know you've had some high praise for them and, and the work that they've put in, just what you're seeing from them early on this season. Yeah, I think, I think both those guys are talented. I mean, we've got to be more consistent up front, uh, give them a little bit more room to get through some things. We haven't been as explosive in our running game as I would like us to be. I know those guys can, can do that. Uh, but I think we have a good one-two punch with them. I think they're both physical runners. Uh, they both got the speed to take it to the house. We've used them a little more in our passing game, trying to find different ways to get them the ball. Uh, but they're two guys that I, I think can – can uh, generate some yards for us and generate some explosive plays for us. Uh, we got to stay healthy there. You know, Shamari was banged up last week. Uh, this will be a good week to hopefully try to get him back to his full strength as possible and uh, continue to keep building. And you spoke about, you know, obviously uh, the amount of plays that you ran most recently, but you have to be able to convert and get it done. Just what you're seeing on film from the team through these first few games as far as, you know, the amount of plays that you are able to run, but in some of these quarters, you know, not consistently being able to put points on the board, just just what you're taking away when you look back at the film. Yeah, you know, I really think it's us. You know, we, we've got to eliminate uh, whether it's a, a stupid penalty that we have that puts us behind the chains and or turnovers. I mean, turnovers has been the key. Uh, we've had 10 the last two weeks. Uh, you know, you, you shouldn't have that over the course of a season. Uh, we've done it in two weeks. And so, you know, you get drive started, you're generating momentum, uh, you're doing what you want to, and then we do something silly and put the ball on the ground or, or uh, make a poor decision. So we've got to take care of the football, and then when we get down in the red zone, you got to convert. And uh, we've been decent at that. We've got to do a better job in our special teams of, you know, if you don't get a, a touchdown out of that drive, you've got to get points. And, 
you know, we've got to do better in, in, the, in the kicking game when we get down there. But besides that, uh, it goes back to turnovers and penalties. And uh, those are things that we can control, and uh, we've got to do a better job of controlling them. Matt, from, coming from Philip Montgomery of Tulsa. Tulsa will next be in action, as I just said, at Houston on Thursday, October 4th. And coming up next in the broadcast is my Q&A with Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong of South Florida. I got to meet him and interview him for the first time when he was in his last season at Louisville. He decided to go to Texas, and I said, I give it three years, and I think they're going to fire him. Because I just had that vibe about Texas, I thought he should have stayed in Louisville. And after three seasons, almost to the T, that's when they let him go, and he's at South Florida. Willie Taggart built something good in South Florida. Charlie Strong's been able to continue it. I always appreciate my time with Charlie Strong and respect him for the work that he's put forward thus far. And we had an opportunity to speak this week, and this is what... Charlie had to say to me about uh, what's going on with his team. So I want to jump into this with Charlie Strong. Take a look at, you know, when you came into South Florida, just what you saw with Willie Taggart going out and you coming in, what you saw from day one to what you see today, just the improvement, the progression from that first day to where the team is right now. I know you're not where you want to be, and there's plenty of season left to go, but a 4-0 start for this season, just what you can say about day one to now. Well, any time you take over a program, it's, it's a lot of change. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of players are going to come, a lot of them are going to go. You know, our first year here is a lot of seniors, and you lose a whole lot when you talk about with Q on offense, your quarterback, and with Augie on defense. You know, those two mainstays in the program and have been the team leader for three years, and now those guys are gone. So the second year, this year is all about us, you know, finding those leaders and developing those leaders, but getting young men to grow and let them understand that this is their team and with getting them to buy into it, and which they've done a really good job. And I can only, you know, I'm so glad we're in the position we're in right now, but we're in this position because of the players and and their responsibility and accountability they've taken upon themselves. When you speak on that leadership, offense, defense, and special teams, who are some of those guys that have started to elevate themselves to be those leaders for you? Well, there's it's not really someone who's really done stepped out, but guys are playing well. Like you always get, you want your seniors to play well their, their senior year, and you, you look at on, on defense, um, you take uh, McGee, who's playing well for us, and in the back end. Uh, Hoggins is playing really well for us. And then on offense, Mays, our tackle, is playing well for us. So you want the seniors to play well. We don't have a lot of seniors, but the ones that are playing, they are contributing. That coming from Charlie Strong. And I want to go back to Philip Montgomery for a second here because we did have more from Philip Montgomery that I want to make sure we get to. So let me go back to Philip Montgomery and to my second question with Philip Montgomery, my apologies on this. Uh, the amount of plays that you ran most recently, but you have to be able to convert and get it done. Just what you're seeing on film from the team through these first few games, as far as you know, the amount of plays that you are able to run, but in some of these quarters, you know, not consistently being able to put points on the board. Just, just what you're taking away when you look back at the film. Yeah, I, you know, I really think it's us. You know, we we've got to eliminate. Uh, whether it's a, a stupid penalty that we have that puts us behind the chains and or turnovers. I mean, turnovers has been the key. Uh, we've had 10 the last two weeks. Uh, 
you know, you, you shouldn't have that over the course of a season. Uh, we've done it in two weeks. And so, you know, you get drive started, you're generating momentum, uh, you're doing what you want to, and then you do something silly and put the ball on the ground or, or uh, make a poor decision. So we've got to take care of the football, and then when we get down in the red zone, you got to convert. And uh, we've been decent at that. We've got to do a better job in our special teams of, you know, if you don't get a, a touchdown out of that drive, you've got to get points. And, uh, you know, we've got to do better in, in, the, in the kicking game when we get down there. But besides that, uh, it goes back to turnovers and penalties. And uh, those are things that we can control, and uh, we've got to do a better job of controlling them. That coming from Philip Montgomery, once again, of Tulsa. You just heard from Charlie Strong. His team will next be available for play. He's got the week off, a bye week this week. They will be at UMass, so they'll be going up to Massachusetts on Saturday, October 6th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's South Florida at UMass. South Florida, one of the few teams left in college football of over, of 130 teams. That is 4-0 to start this season, including a win over the ACC's Georgia Tech. Coming up next on the broadcast here with my Q&As, you're listening in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on MixLR.com backslash DT, just like you do every Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And you're also watching on Live Now DT on Facebook. That's Facebook.com backslash Live Now DT. Our first opportunity of sharing with you this video style of hearing from the coaches, seeing the ticker and seeing the picture of the coach to give you something for your eyes to see while you're tuning in to the broadcast and my Q&As here in significant sound bites of the week. Next up is Randy Etzel of the Yukon Huskies, and here's my conversation with Randy Etzel, who just finished up playing up against Syracuse. Just to speak on in that Syracuse game, uh, David Pindell obviously was out there for a while, and then Marvin Washington came in. Just what you saw from Marvin and, and what you think of uh, both of the guys going forward, because I know Marvin was able to get you down the field and do some good things despite the loss. Uh, you know, I, I had to answer this yesterday on our local reporter. There, I mean, don't, there's no quarterback controversy. I took David out. You know, because of where we were in the game, David is an outstanding quarterback. He's done the things that you've seen him do. Marvin went in and made a very good throw on the first play and then made mistakes throughout there. Marvin is our backup quarterback, and we want to get Marvin to get better each and every day. And David's our starting quarterback, and uh, David has played extremely well um, this year. Things he's got to work on, but, um, you know, it's great that we were able to get Marvin some snaps get some uh, plays under his in his uh, uh, experience log, and um, that's all I have to say. And then as far as uh, UConn and in the, and in the uh, Syracuse game, Syracuse is a team, you know, historically that's done some good things, but has taken some time to work to get back. UConn, same type of team, you know, that had had some good moments in the past that's working to get back. Just what you can say about what you're seeing from this team, despite the record of you know, that, that work to build the culture and build the environment and create that culture of winning, just what you're seeing maybe be put in place the second time around for you at UConn? Well, you know, I, I think any time that, uh, and, and, you know, it's well documented and you, you kind of get tired of talking about it each and every week. We're, we're just, um, we're a young football team and we're playing our, the young guys. They're not big enough. They're not strong enough yet. 
Uh, and these are the these are the things you have to go through when you're you're you know rebuilding a program and uh, you're playing guy you're playing your best guys and those those guys have uh, especially on defense you know those guys are uh, shouldn't be playing but they are because they're the best guys you have and you know you're going against uh, you know teams that are senior and junior laden and um, it makes it tough. But the one thing I do like, the kids are playing hard. They're giving us everything they have. You can see them getting better, you know, each week. And now what we have to do is try to get consistent, you know, all the time with everything we're doing. And, um, you know, and some of the, a lot of the, you know, some of the issues that we're having is because of the people that we're playing. You know, when you take a look at the schedule and you take a look at the records of those people and and the, uh, the teams that they have, you know, the, the, the people we're playing have a lot to do with, you know, maybe us not making some of the, uh, being a little bit inconsistent with what's happening. So, you know, it's something I've been through before, and, you know, the one thing we're going to do, we're going to make sure we do it the right way. There is no easy fix. Uh, we can't go out and get a bunch of transfers and do a lot of those type of things maybe other schools can do due to uh, some of the academic uh, requirements that we have here. So, Again, we're just going to do it like I did it before, where you do it with young guys, and you, you get them in your program, you build them up, and you get them strong, and and uh, then hopefully by the time they become fourth or fifth-year seniors, you know, you'll be able to register some of these guys coming in later on, and then you'll, you'll, you'll get the program where you want to get it. That coming from UConn head coach Randy Etzel, who was just on the other side of the Syracuse game, 51-21, uh, to 21 trying to rebuild the program and do it the right way. And I do truly believe that Randy Etzel is going to help fix UConn. I do believe that. I do believe that, you know, he is somebody he's come back around, you know, unfinished business, so to speak, maybe. Uh, I'm, You know, for him, this is a new journey. It's a new quest. And I think that there's some good that's going to come out of this. I think there's a lot of good that will come out of it for UConn as they step forward. They do have a big, tall task coming up, though, and they're trying to play spoiler. Cincinnati is going to UConn this Saturday, September 29th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the CBS Sports Network. For those of you that have Rectrum, and and obviously I am I am doing a little play on words there. It rhymes with Rectrum. And for those of you that have that cable channel, we don't get CBS Sports Network, and so and you can't even stream it. And sometimes it gets blacked out. So I want to watch this game, but there is a little issue with that. So maybe that changed, maybe that's fixed. I would love the opportunity to see Cincinnati at UConn. Big time game for UConn as they try to get on top of things here. UConn is currently 1-3 and three on the season. And then Cincinnati on their side of it are 4-0 and as they've started off the season. Luke Fickle will be on the show in just a little bit. But like I said, I do, I do believe that Randy Etzel is going to do some good things with UConn, the former Syracuse running backs coach. Next up is my Q&A with Scotty Montgomery of East Carolina. The East Carolina Pirates on the season are currently 1-2 and overall. Had one of their games canceled due to the storm. And I had the opportunity to catch up with Scotty Montgomery, and this is our conversation. Look into this matchup. I know you're coming off of the close one that you were just talking about with South Florida. Old Dominion's coming off of a victory over Virginia Tech. Just what you see from them on film and what you can say about that matchup. Well, they're really, really big on offense at the skill position, not only in their interior, but skill position. You know, you got 
Uh, Jonathan Duhart, uh, six foot three, two hundred and ten pound wide receiver. You got uh, Travis Fulgham, another six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pound receiver. Jeremy Cox at the running back position, six foot, two hundred thirty five pounds. Great feet. Uh, I thought they played lights out against Virginia Tech. I thought they they played really well uh, throughout the season. Just had a few things that go against them, and then you know defensively what they do, they're very very aggressive. I thought they've done a good job at the corners, putting a lot of pressure on guys. They've gotten some. Some passing interference is called here or there, but it's all all because of the way that they're playing aggressive football. I think their most uh, two talented players on defense is, uh, is number seven and number two, two seniors that they've had in their program for a while. Get off the ball well, both 6'4", 6'5", 255, uh, do a really, really good job there. And, you know, I think their defensive front is basically where they get all their energy on the defense from uh, because of the seniors that they have there. They're playing three out of four seniors there. Uh, and, and they play really, really well together. They're playing fast in the back end, uh, so it, it's going to be one of those games where we got to come out and play our A game. And then uh, for you, Reed and Holton, just what you can say about your, your quarterbacks, what you took away from the most recent game, and, and just your thoughts on moving forward, knowing that they both can offer you something different. You know, we, we struggled a little bit with Reed uh, in our passing game when he lost uh, when he lost a little bit of his mobility. Uh, we ran a, a quarterback draw that was a big-time run for us down there uh, late in the second quarter, and uh, he got turned up down to the bottom of the pile. His ankle got twisted, and uh, we lost a little bit of mobility, which in, in turn affected the way we played the second half, uh, I believe. Also, it affected our, uh, our accuracy. He's a lot more accurate than he had, but we can throw it and catch it really well with Reed. Uh, he also can help us in the run game. we got to get him back to 100%, that's for sure. Uh, and then, you know, Holton is a guy that we, we're growing his play every week. We've added a couple of more things. We think he's getting a little bit close to being 100% game ready for all the quarterback stuff uh, that we can throw at him. We just got to continue to grow him. Uh, and, uh, and, and they do offer different things. I, I, I do think that our ability to run the football uh, has really changed. It's been day and night since last year to this year. And a lot of that has to do with what Holton has been able to give us while he's in the game. That coming from Scotty Montgomery of East Carolina. Next coach up on the docket here in my American Athletic Conference conversations, courtesy of the AAC Teleconference, is Coach Willie Fritz of the Tulane Green Wave. And I want to make a note here uh, really quick about East Carolina. East Carolina will be home against Old Dominion at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN3. That's Watch ESPN. Big-time game. Old Dominion's coming off of a victory over Virginia Tech where Josh Jackson, the starting quarterback, God bless him, and let's hope that he gets better soon, went down with an injury. Old Dominion got the victory, and now they're going at East Carolina, and East Carolina was able to steal one away from North Carolina earlier, 41-19 to this season and played a close one against South Florida. So this will be a good game and one of those games that may not be on the national wire to circle, but you should definitely circle and watch Old Dominion at East Carolina this week. The next one that we have to talk with is Willie Fritz of Tulane, the Green Wave. And coming up right now is our conversation with Willie Fritz. And I thank Willie Fritz for taking some time with me as always. This is what Willie Fritz had to say heading into week five. Just to come off, I mean, this being your first conference game that you'll have this season coming up against Memphis, just what you can say you learned from your non-conference schedule, your big takeaways that you saw on film from those four games. Well, you know, we played a tough non-conference schedule, without question. We played Forest. You know, UAB's probably going to have a chance to play in another bowl game this year, a very experienced team. And then Nichols is having a good run, you know, at the 1AA level. So, 
coming from Willie Fritz of Tulane. Willie Fritz of Tulane is going to be going up against Memphis at home in Tulane. Memphis at Tulane is tonight, Friday, September 28th on ESPN2 at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So on the other side of that matchup is, of course, Mike Norvell of Memphis. And Mike Norvell is next up on the docket here with us to give us his thoughts on his team as we head into week five. This is what he had to say to me this week. Obviously, there's a lot of emphasis on from the outside looking in on your offense and the high-powered ability of that offense. But just what you can say about your defense in each of these four games, either by interception or by fumble recovery, has been able to grab that, you know, get the possession and, and take the turnover and, and put it on your side. Just what you can say about defensively, what you've seen through the first four games and the takeaways you've had up at this point. You know, that's a, uh, that's a major emphasis on our football team and something that we believe in defensively is trying to trying to have the explosive play, you know, create uh, more possessions for our offense and, uh, you know, usually with pretty good field position. Uh, this last game, I thought we did a nice job as a, as a football team in general. You know, we were 100% uh, uh, you know, ball security on offense and we were able to create a couple takeaways there on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and that's something that, that we need to that we continue to emphasize, continue to improve on, uh, you know, that, yeah. Uncharacteristically, you know, that's something we haven't done as well uh, this, these first four games as what what has been we've been accustomed to in our, in our first couple of years. So uh, you were emphasizing it uh, daily. You know, our kids believe in it, and they we're continuing to work to uh, uh, to do a better job in, in every aspect. We know that this offense can score points. What are you seeing on films for the first four games? That are some of those pillars of, of the positive play you've had so far offensively. Some of those maybe small nuances that people might overlook with your offense? You know, I mean, I love the balance. Uh, I think we're, we're averaging uh, you know, close to 300, if not a little bit more than 300 yards rushing a game. We're still throwing for 
for over 260 yards. So I mean, we're able to take what the defense gives us. Um, you know, we've been able to have the tough runs there at the end of the game uh, to, um, you know, and the, the explosive plays that uh, is, is really been impressive. Uh, along with the explosive qualities of what we've been able to do, you know, we've also been able to sustain drives. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know the exact number count, but I want to say it's probably five or six different 10-plus play touchdown drives that we've had uh, this early in the season, along with the, you know, the explosive plays, um, is, is something that you know, we want to have a great balance with. Uh, coming from the head coach of the Memphis Tigers, Mike Norvell. Once again, Memphis will be at Tulane up against Willie Fritz tonight, Friday, September 28th at 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Memphis is 3-1 and one after a one-point loss to Navy, 22-21. to 21. Tulane is 1-3 and three and looking to bounce back after being blown out by Ohio State, who with Dwayne Haskins has turned out to be one heck of a quarterback for the team. He was recruited by Syracuse, recruited by probably most of the nation, and ultimately chose Ohio State. Willie Fritz, and, and this is the thing, I don't think that that game should be a litmus test of what Willie Fritz can do. Willie Fritz and this team play close. They're kind of like Tulsa. They play close in a lot of games and may not get the victory, but they're right there in the game. With the game against Ohio State, you know, that was a game that just went in the favor of Ohio State, but I think Tulane is better than what you're seeing from that. And obviously, Mike Norvell of Memphis has done some good things in his time with the Memphis Tigers. Justin Fuente helped build that program up, then went over to Virginia Tech, and continuing to build that program has been Mike Norvell, who just signed an extension and an agreement to stay. Instead of leaving and going somewhere else, he decided to stick with this program which I thought meant something big and could potentially mean something for the rest of the league for the American Athletic if he starts a trend of instead of going to another school and and utilizing what the, you know instead of going to another school that's that's already built or a conference that's already built or inside of the Power 5 and just continuing the status quo or continuing to build it being in a place where you can build something create something and make something tremendously amazing and have that be on your name, maybe better for somebody like Mike, Nor- Mike Norvell. It's going to be better for someone somewhere. Either the coaches that are there or coaches that will come in, somebody's going to want to stick around in the American Athletic and build this brand instead of going somewhere else to a brand that's already built. So Mike Norvell deciding to stay, and I commend him for that. Coming up next is Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle was on Ohio State staff under Urban Meyer. He decided to move forward to Cincinnati and going to Cincinnati, believing that he could help move this program and elevate this program, progress this program forward. And last season, the team struggled to a 4-8 and season. This season, they've already matched their wins in four games. They were 4-8 and last year. They're 4-0 and this year. Speaking of the Cincinnati Bearcats, who I said will be at UConn this Saturday, and Cincinnati went to UCLA, beat them, went to Miami of Ohio, defeated them, then went home to play Alabama A&M and defeated them, and most recently defeated Ohio at home. They'll be on the road at UConn at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Here is Luke Fickle to speak with me on the 4-0 Cincinnati Bearcats. Last season in your first season in Cincinnati, won four games, went four and eight on the season. You already have four games and four tries this season. Just what you can say about the maturation process and what you've seen from the guys already equaling your wins from last year as you look to obviously build upon that. Well, yeah, I think it just starts inside the locker room. I think obviously we're playing better ball. We're playing better on the field on Saturdays. 
Uh, we practice better in those kinds of things. But I think the, you know, the, all the stuff that you build inside that locker room, those guys that you know, truly believe in what it is that you're doing, they have a, you know, a, a passion not just for the game but for their their teammates and their brothers. And you know, that goes so far. You know, that's what makes your practices better. That's what makes your you know, your Friday night's better, that uh, those guys have relationships and things like that, which then in turn, you know, gives you a better opportunity to, to, to for us even to use the off-season time that was allowed with those two hours, uh, a lot of ownership in those guys because they want to be around each other. Um, I think that's, we're fortunate enough to use that in a very good way, and our leaders used it in a very good way, um, and it gave us an opportunity to, to grow and to become better football players uh, when we went to camp because there wasn't as much teaching and you know trying to develop the relationships uh, we, we had a lot more time to focus on football what is it in your opinion of Cincinnati when you came in obviously Tommy Tuberville when he was going out the team was trending downward you came in and had to try and turn it in the other direction what is it about this year and this team and this environment of the players that you have and the coaches that you have that are starting to change the tide in, in your opinion at this point well, I think, you know, change is inevitable. You know, there's always going to be change no matter what it is, whether it's a coach, whether it's a coordinator, whether it's a system, whether it's a, you know, a player graduates. It's growth that I really believe is optional. And, you know, guys got to make a decision to be able and willing to grow in, in, in the ways that you want them to grow, you know. And it's the, sooner, the longer that takes, the, I think the longer it is to transition, you know, the culture and the things that you want to get. And, you know, you got to give them a lot of credit that, you know, not that we're where we want to be and we still got a long way to go, but, you know, they've, they've, you know, accepted the change and, you know, actually embraced the change in, in the way we do things. Not that one way is better than others, you know, but you got to have your way and you got to be consistent in what you're doing. And until you get guys to not just believe and buy in, but embrace it, um, I think it makes it very difficult. And I think that's, you know, what has really, really helped us. We've got some of those older guys that are really that are playing well for us and they're not just playing well because they're good football players but they've embraced uh, all the different things and the cultures and and what our expectations are for them on a daily basis thanks that coming from luke fickle of cincinnati once again the bearcats are four and oh and will be going to connecticut to face uconn this weekend the final coach that we have in this portion of the show for significant sound bites inside a wake-up call with Dan Tortora and this video on facebook.com backslash live now DT is my conversation with Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel of UCF. He's in his first season with UCF and the team has continued on doing what they were doing, which is have winning ways under Scott Frost. They had an undefeated season last season and as of right now, they are 3-0 and to start the season. Their game against North Carolina was canceled due to the hurricane. And God bless once again to everybody. Hope that everyone is safe and sound and that are rebuilding well, that you have the money, the time, the energy to do what you need to do, and more than anything else, that your well-being in all ways, shape, and form is okay and is good. And to anybody that's passed away due to the hurricane or anything recently, we pray for your soul to be in heaven and for God to be with you and with all of your loved ones and for you to all be together even in death in this moment so and in every moment. God bless each and every single one of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. With that being said, it's just a sad part of 
what goes on, folks, you know, unfortunate with these hurricanes, and it's tough. UCF has had to battle this one season, a last season, and this season around as well, uh, having to have one last game, obviously, for the safety of everybody. So they faced UConn and defeated them 56-17 to on the road, faced South Carolina State and defeated South Carolina State at home 38 to nothing, and then took on FAU in the high-powered offense of Lane Kiffin, and defeated them 56-36 at home. They'll be facing Pittsburgh at home as well this Saturday, September 29th on ESPNU at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That is UCF at home against the ACC's Pitt. And this is what Josh Heupel had to say to me about his team at UCF this week. To go a little bit deeper into Mackenzie Milton, just what you can say about what makes him special leadership-wise. I mean, we know he's talented on the field, but from poise to studying film to how he is you know, in the locker room, the things that we can't see, just what you can say about those big pieces. Uh, you know, when you first meet him, you know, me just coming in in December, very calm demeanor uh, about himself, um, very, you know, laid-back uh, demeanor. Uh, at the same time, when you get him in a competitive situation, I'm talking in the weight room, in the, in the film room, or out on the practice field, every rep he's dialed into mentally and physically. Uh, he's, he's you know very competitive in all those situations. Great players are always that way. And uh, I think he does a great job, you know, just like out on the practice field or if he's watching film with the, the you know, the entire offense of the wide receiver group in particular. He does a really good job of communicating specific details as far as what he's thinking or what he wants from those guys in a very positive way. And I think that's why they take, you know, his uh, constructive criticism or, or correction or coaching, um, you know, in such a positive way. Your team has found success early on here in the season in your first season at UCF with a lot of these guys that had come in before and were recruited by the other staff. What can you say about their connection to you and how quickly that came together? Was it positive from day one, in your opinion? Because you've been able to take a lot of these players that were there a season prior and to continue to have success with them despite the fact that you weren't the coach that was going out there recruiting them. So just what you can say about the relationship and how quickly that kind of connected. Uh, I think relationships always take time. You, you know, we came in and, you know, I spoke to, you know, what I was going to be about and how I was going to interact with them every day and, and the consistency that, that I wanted to have. Um, but I also told them that, you know, those words speak a lot louder than actions, or actions speak a lot louder than words, excuse me. And, and um, you know, as we went through, you know, off-season training and into spring ball, uh, you know, each phase of our program, um there's a little bit of uneasiness because they don't know what each day is going to be like. But once they saw, um, you know, what our daily routine was going to be like, um, they found a groove and, and found consistency in how we interacted, communicated uh, with them uh, on a, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, we spent a lot of time trying to build trust and build relationships because we haven't sat in their living room before, whether it's team barbecues, going to SeaWorld together, going to uh, Orlando Magic game. Uh, every player's been over to my house to eat dinner. They've been with their, co- their position coaches two to three times. Um, we've spent a lot of time. We you know, had a team softball uh, game. Uh, we've spent a lot of time outside of the game of football just trying to get to know each other because that, that matters, and that's what you know, real relationships are all about. And so I think you know, the, the juniors and the seniors on this team uh, that have gone through transition once before 
help ease the transition, understanding how quickly you got to buy into it uh, for it to be successful. And so uh, that's helped with the young kids that maybe were just recruited by the previous staff and this is their first change. So uh, our leadership's been really good. We've given them ownership inside of our program and, uh, and try to make sure that they have input on the things that matter to them as well. That coming from Josh Heupel once again of Central Florida here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on Wake Up Call DT.com, your one-stop sports shop on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT and on Facebook Live on Facebook.com backslash Live Now DT. We appreciate you tuning in. You see John Newman is sitting here. He'll be coming up at Collectible Corner in just a little bit. I want to thank all of the American Athletic Conference coaches for being a part of the broadcast today. We didn't have an opportunity to get to Kenny Amatololo, but I want to thank him for all of his time that he spends in our uh, deeper, extensive uh, conversations we've had throughout the last few seasons, as well as weekly on the teleconference. And as far as Navy goes, they are 2-2 two and two on the season. They are off this week, and they will next be on the field against Air Force on October 6th, which is a Saturday at Air Force at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS Sports Network. With that being said, we're going to end this video and come back with the ACC in just a few moments. You will hear from Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech, Dave Clawson of Wake Forest, as well as Willie Taggart of Florida State, Pat Narduzzi of Pittsburgh, and then we'll get into our Syracuse conversations as they get set to take on Clemson. All of that's coming up on Facebook Live and here on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. This is a wake-up call fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. 
Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious 9-ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90-inch monster. Watch your game enjoy time with family friends as well as bringing the kids to the playroom the SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines as well as Robert Drummond Syracuse football alum and Dan Totoro's pre-game show two hours before kickoff for every home game private parties available as well for as many as 300 people Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature sport court where you can enjoy basketball, volleyball, pickleball, soccer, lacrosse, and more year-round in their indoor facility. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. 
their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We're back here in the studio, back here in the lab again, and very happy to have you here on the broadcast. We appreciate you tremendously for being a part of the show. The Atlantic Coast Conference is up next on the docket. Atlantic Coast Conference football Q&As that I had the opportunity to have this week as we step into week five of college football in three, two, one. We are back on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now DT. Newman's getting ready here. And it's funny how the light is so dim on Newman because it's almost like it's not your segment yet. So he's he's not there yet. I'm still about. He is, but he's not. So we're happy to be here in the studios with you. John Newman coming up in just a little bit with Jordan Newman and Newman Sports Cards with Collectible Corner, your late night talk show in the morning. And we link sports uh, sports card collecting to life. We link it to what's going on in the sports world, the values of the cards, and so much more. We also talk about faith and give you some comedy to help you enjoy your TGIF the right way. Before we do that, though, we're going to get into the ACC coaches. I had an opportunity to speak with a bunch of coaches inside of the Atlantic Coast Conference, and it is my honor, it is my privilege, and I I truly appreciate it so very much to speak with these coaches. We're going to start with Justin Fuente of the Virginia Tech Hokies. had an opportunity to speak with Justin Fuente this week, and Justin Fuente and I heading into week five here are going to share our thoughts with you right now. And we're going to get that going here. So let me let me get him set up for you here. Justin Fuente, once again, of the Virginia Tech Hokies. This is what he had to say to me when we had the opportunity to talk this week. Uh, with Josh Jackson going down and Ryan Willis stepping in, just what you can say about it. I know you got a couple other guys behind Willis as well. Just what the quarterback room looks like and just your expectations moving forward, knowing that you won't have Jackson for a little while. I'm pleased with the development in our room. Um, obviously, I'm happy that we have Ryan here in our program. He's been in our program for some time now. Um, it's not often that you have a backup quarterback that has experience at the Division One level, and Ryan's got that, and has shown flashes of doing some, some really good things. And then we have two young guys in there that continue to get better with every rep. I mean, they're... Um, you know, big physical kids that uh, I think have are going to have opportunities as they continue to develop to to be really good players. And you made mention of that that you know it's it's not something you see every day to have a backup quarterback with experience. With what happened with Kelly Bryant at Clemson and this redshirt rule that allows the opportunity to play four games and then potentially leave, do you think that this could hurt? that opportunity for a team like yourself where your starting quarterback goes down 
and you don't necessarily have that guy there if he got frustrated or upset and decides to leave. Could this rule kind of backfire in a situation where you need a guy to step up during an injury? Um, I, I certainly, uh, I guess I could, I don't want to address the Kelly Bryant deal. Like, I don't really have very much knowledge about that whole situation. I've been locked up in the staff room all day. Pete just told me that he's leaving. I don't really know what all went into that. But in general terms, I do think there's potential for more transfers. I mean, that's um, quite honestly part of the society that that we live in now. Um, and, you know, kids are transferring in high school. They're transferring in junior high. They're transferring all over the place. And, you know, that's, that's part of what we're dealing with right now. Um, in terms of the redshirt rule, um, yeah, certainly. I mean, it's an, another thing for, for players and, and coaches alike to consider, um, you know, when trying to make decisions that are best for them. That coming from Justin Fuente once again of the Virginia Tech Hokies. And to take a look at Virginia Tech and what is coming up this week, the Virginia Tech Hokies will be at Duke calling this I think the best Duke team that he has seen since coming to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech will be at Duke, who's ranked number 22 in the country. Virginia Tech is not ranked right now after losing Old Dominion. The game will be Saturday, September 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Next up on the docket here of the ACC coaches that I had an opportunity to speak with is going to be Dave Clawson of Wake Forest. Dave Clawson of Wake Forest, our conversation heading into week five right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And this is what Dave Clawson had to say to me when we had the opportunity to speak with one another this week as they head in to the rest of their season with a coach that was given longevity and has found success with that longevity. Just to uh, kind of go off of that, how, how the team has responded and just what you've seen from the players in this decision and, and, you know, obviously moving some things around coaching-wise, just how they've responded? I mean, we'll, we'll see in the, in the coming weeks. Um, it's it's kind of new, um, you know, but, again, we have good coaches here, and we've had two good practices, but we're just two days into this, three days into it. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm more concerned with that we get better over the next two months, and I think anytime something like this happens, it's, it's a little bit of a shock to the system for the players. Um, but again, that's, those are decisions you got to make as a head coach and they're certainly not fun to make. Um, but you always have to do what you feel is best for the program. And, uh, you know, I told the players before it came out and, uh, we're moving forward. And you said it was kind of uncharted territory for you and, and also made mention of the notion that it wasn't a spur of the moment decision and to get back to some of those things that you're looking to clean up and whatnot, what are some of those pillars that you're looking to right now as you get this staff together? What are some of those pieces that you really want to hone in on and zero in on that you're seeing on film in these last few games? I mean, I just think more than anything, it's just the communication on our defense that makes sure that when the ball is snapped, we have all 11 guys playing the same defense uh, in their correct stance, in their proper alignment, in their eyes where they supposed, they're supposed to be. And if we do that and we end up giving up plays because a team's better than us or we lost a matchup, uh, those are things that, that that's football. You can live with it. But I just want to see us aligned in stances with our cleats in the ground and our eyes where they should be and making sure that we're playing defenses that all 11 guys are on the same page. 
that coming from Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson, pardon me, that said goodbye to his defensive coordinator. He said, I believe it was in 19 years of coaching, he's never made a decision like this in the middle of a season, but it was something that needed to happen. It was something that needed to come down. And ultimately, you know, he made this decision. And like you said, communication is the thing that he's really looking for on this team moving forward to be able to communicate. And and just, I mean, it sounds simplistic. You know, there must have been a lot of issues with his defense because he said, I, I want us to all make sure that all 11 guys are playing the same defense on the field, that we're aligned, that we have our eyes where they're supposed to be, our cleats in the ground. So it kind of seems like scratching it down and, and just going to the foundation of everything and rebuilding it with Wake Forest, they're not a bad team, but obviously with the struggles they've been having defensively, Dave Clawson had seen enough as he moves forward with his team and uh, figuring out what to do there as far as the defensive coordinator job and the situation that they are now in right now as they move forward in the grand scheme of things. And I do want to make a note here for Wake Forest. They will be at home against Rice without their defensive coordinator for the first time here. They'll be on the ACC Network at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Rice at Wake Forest will be coming up in this uh, this week, Saturday, September 29th. Next up on the docket is a link back to the American Athletic Conference, and that is because Pat Narduzzi, who I've spent a lot of time speaking with of Pittsburgh, is going to be traveling to Central Florida. If you watched our other video, that was just previous to this one this morning on facebook.com backslash live now DT. You heard from Josh Heupel of Central Florida. They will be hosting Pittsburgh and Pat Narduzzi this weekend. And with that coming up, I have the opportunity to speak with Pat, with Pat Narduzzi of the Pittsburgh Panthers. So Pat Narduzzi and I have the opportunity to speak with one another, and this is what he had to say in our conversation. Once again, the Pitt Panthers heading over to Central Florida down in Orlando. It's going to feel like summer there, especially for Pittsburgh, and this is what Pat Narduzzi had to say to me when we got to speak this week heading into that game. Kind of going off of that with Mackenzie Milton, and you said obviously connection with Heisman, just just what you've seen from him to go a little bit deeper into his game. I know you're describing a few things there, but just how he's playing this season and if you've seen going back and watching film from prior time, if you've seen any growth or, or anything that he's doing a lot better now than maybe he was doing before. You know, it's hard to, I mean, when you're, you know, when you're really good, it's hard to say you're really, 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 really good. I mean, he's already really good. I mean, um, you see him do a lot of the same things he did a year ago, making plays with his feet and making plays with his arm. I mean, uh, you know, what else can he do? I mean, he's Superman out there right now with, with you know, jersey number 10 on on the front instead of an ass is what I'd say. Um, he does it all. And, and like I said, when you are already playing at high level and you win 13 games as starter, um, you know, I don't I don't see him doing anything less, put it that way. You've you've won two, you've lost two. What have been, you know, from these first four games, what you're seeing on film from your team overall, some of those key pieces, key elements that you're taking forward with you that need to be fixed, need to be adjusted as you go into this next game? Yeah, um, you know, obviously, you know, whether you win or whether you lose, whether you're 4-0 or 2-2, two and two, you know, there's things you take from every game. I mean, and that's probably the biggest thing 
is hey, what do you what have you learned from the game? What have you learned out of your team? What have you learned out of your you know your your, your particular positions and unit groups? Um, but uh, you know, we just need to be more consistent. I mean, at, at times we're playing really good football, and and then you know, at times there'll be a mental or physical breakdown that that uh, that'll cost you. And uh, you know, those are the, the little details where. I don't care if it's on offense and ten guys are doing a great job and one's not. It only takes one guy to break a play down, um, and, and that's kind of what you see um, in the first four games. Now that happens all the time, you know. And that's not something you know. You could, I mean, Central Florida makes mistakes too. Even in their thirteen-one season, they made mistakes and had critical areas. You know, do you have a guy that can make up for it, or does it hit you just at the wrong time, the wrong place? Um, so those, those are things that we're working on. That coming from Pat Narduzzi of the Pitt Panthers, who had some high praise for Mackenzie Milton and what Mackenzie Milton is and what Mackenzie Milton, you know, just saying to him, he, he's Superman, he's just wearing number 10 instead of an S on his chest, he's wearing that number instead. So a lot of high praise for Mackenzie Milton, the quarterback of the team that he is about to face this weekend. And once again, that game is going to be Pittsburgh at number 13th ranked UCF in Orlando, Florida on three at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday, September 9th. September 29th, pardon me, at on ESPNU, Pittsburgh at UCF. The next coach up to speak with here on the broadcast is going to be Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart of the Florida State Seminoles. Obviously, he has not had the start that he had would have liked to have, and the team has struggled. The team is 2-2. Two and two. They just won their game against Northern Illinois at home in Florida State. Now they played three games at home, one game on the road. Their only road game, they lost to Syracuse 30-7 to in the Carrier Dome. First win that Syracuse has had over Florida State in 52 years. And then on the other side of things, they lost at home to Virginia Tech, barely defeated Samford at home. So this was their first big-time win at home for Florida State this season, winning 37-19, winning by 18 points in this matchup. And with that being said, Willie Taggart is on the broadcast. My Q&A with him is up right now, and this is what he had to say to me this week as he heads into Week 5. Just uh, through these first few games, the first uh, four games for you, just what you can say about what you've seen from your rushing attack with Cam Akers and uh, Jacques Patrick, as well as the entire group, just what you've seen up to this point. Well, it hadn't been up to the standard that we're looking uh, to have here. Uh, we just hadn't been rushing the football as well as we need to and, and want to. And uh, it's a work in progress. I know we have some talented backs, and I think when you have a lot of rotation up front, that kind of hampers some things of being consistent in what you're doing. So um, I think right now there's a lot of inconsistency, uh, but it, it got better last week, and we just got to keep working in the right direction to continue to get better. And when you look back at these first four games, just what you're seeing the team is improving on, because I know obviously you spoke about the fact that it's going to take time and implementing what you need is going to take time, but how have you seen the team respond, and are you seeing them in this last victory start to bounce back a little bit? Are there some pieces that are maybe coming together that you're seeing, even if they may be small? Well, um, I saw it the week before – at the beginning of uh, last week before we played um, Northern Illinois, just the way our guys came in with the attitude um, of practicing. You know, they came and holding each other accountable about doing things the right way. And 
um, and executing the right way. And I think it paid off for us in the ball game. Um, some of the same mistakes that we're making that we made earlier are, are turnovers and, and penalties, and those are things that, that kills you, especially against a good football team. And we got to get better at it, and that's kind of what I talk about playing winning football. We, we have talent on this football team. We as coaches got to help teach them how to win again and, 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 and uh, play winning football. That coming from Willie Taggart once again in his first season with Florida State. The team is 2-2, two and two, and they are going up against another team that doesn't look like themselves, and that being the Louisville Cardinals. The Louisville Cardinals will be at home for this matchup against Florida State, and just kind of strange how how things, you know, it's like my how the tables have turned, so to speak. Florida State unranked, Louisville unranked. They play each other on ESPN2 at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. This game can help decide where teams are going to set up in that Atlantic division of the ACC. I told you that I thought going into the season, Louisville's going to struggle to a 5-6 to six win season. Florida State right now has got a couple wins, and they've obviously been struggling. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in this game and this game to kind of show, you know, where is the bottom, so to speak, because one of these teams is going to get a victory. One of these teams is going to be ahead of the other, and they're kind of evenly matched this season with them both having some tumultuous times and both working to try and get back better and back to where they need to be and where they want to be at this point in their seasons coming up next is a guy who has been rebuilding Virginia and doing a great job at it and that is Bronco Mendenhall Bronco Mendenhall of the Virginia Cavaliers they're coming off of a victory where they just trounced the Louisville Cardinals winning that game at home in Virginia they've won three out of four games they played in this season they lost to Indiana in the game that Stevie Scott local CBA product my alma mater, Christian Brothers Academy, rushed for over 200 yards in his first ever touchdown in his second ever game as a true freshman in college football. Virginia lost that game in Indiana 20-16, to and they ended up defeating Richmond before that, and then after Indiana, defeated Ohio at home and Louisville at home. They're on the road at NC State this Saturday, September 29th at 12.20 p.m. Eastern Time. The Virginia Cavaliers, a strong team right now with a quarterback in Bryce Perkins that can do a lot of different things, making them electrifying and kind of giving them the Lamar Jackson factor this season. They'll be on the road at NC State, and we all know that Dave Dorn is a tremendous coach, and I have a lot of high praise for him and the work that he's done. So this is going to be a hell of a game as well. This is what Bronco Mendenhall had to say to me this week when we had the opportunity to speak with one another. Here's Bronco Mendenhall in week number five. Uh, quarterback Bryce Perkins, just what you can say about, I mean, I know most recently hurdled a defender, uh, busted plays that he'll turn into something. Just what he's been to you and, and what you're seeing on the film right now of his elusiveness and, and obviously his ability to create plays. Yeah, just that. He creates plays and he's productive. He keeps drives alive when execution breaks down, and that gives us a chance for consistency that we haven't had the, on the previous two years where it took execution, and if the pro, pro, play broke down it broke down and the result would show that with Bryce um, if there is a miscue if there is poor execution or a play breaks down um, there's still a possibility of the play being salvaged the drive being salvaged and points going on the board so just really uh, really productive and very effective he came from Arizona Western Community College just what you can say about the importance of head coaches not just yourself but around the country looking at JUCO and, and at the talent inside of junior colleges and how you can stumble upon 
a diamond in the rough like Bryce Perkins when you go to the JUCO route. Yeah, well, I'm a product of junior college football. I played in junior college. I also coached in junior college. And so uh, there are plenty of players and people um, that have made an impact and will continue to make an impact that have traveled that road that might not have been as polished or maybe late developers or maybe have made a, a poor decision or two that have allowed them to take the harder road. Um, and anyone that doesn't intentionally look there, and I don't think it's stumbled upon, I think if there's an intentional look, looking for, if you frame the criteria appropriately, there's a great chance you'll find um, a, an answer or two in the junior college ranks, as well as prep schools and, and other maybe um, uh, 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 different and maybe unorthodox ways to, for someone to reach into the college football ranks. That coming from Bronco Mendenhall, not only does he have a quarterback that could do a little bit of everything, but he got that quarterback from JUCO, from junior college. And, you know, Syracuse in recent history got a bunch of JUCO players that were strong as well and really helped out and bolstered up their defense in a lot of ways. So shout out to the junior colleges around the country, including OCC right here in our backyard for all the work that they do and everything that they put together to truly do something special inside of college football and inside of sports in and of itself that coming from Bronco Mendenhall in our ACC coverage my Q&A's with the coaches you heard from the likes of a bunch of different coaches on today's broadcast and inside of this video you're watching on Facebook live facebook.com backslash live now DT I want to thank Pat Narduzzi of Pitt I want to thank Willie Taggart of Florida State Dave Clausen of Wake Forest Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech, and of course, who you just heard from, Bronco Mendenhall of the Virginia Cavaliers. The Virginia Cavaliers have a game coming up this week, and that's going to be at NC State on Saturday, September 29th at 12.20 p.m. Eastern Time. And just so everybody knows here, I want to get really quick to the schedule before we wrap up this video and this portion of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora's broadcast. You can watch the game between Virginia and NC State on the ACC Network and the Watch ESPN app this Saturday. North Carolina played this Thursday, September 27th. Yesterday, for those of you listening live, Miami won that game 47-10 at home. Miami's defense outscored North Carolina's offense big time in this game by more than 10 points in the matchup. Had a bunch of turnovers for touchdowns and a big time win for the Miami Hurricanes as North Carolina Looks to still figure it out. They're 1-3 on the season and had the game against Central Florida canceled due to weather. So they are 1-3 right now. And uh, they were the worst team in the ACC. Behind, and they, they were 14th, Syracuse 13th last season. Syracuse obviously working to move up the hill on this one. And Larry Fedora and the Tar Heels, unfortunately, staying on the bottom of the hill right now for their team. And their fans are 1-3 this season. Syracuse will be at Clemson and you'll be hearing from Syracuse in our next video and right coming up here in a few minutes on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT Syracuse at Clemson and I told you about Temple at Boston College Bowling Green will be at Georgia Tech at noon Eastern time on watch ESPN and the ACC digital network and we talked about Virginia NC State Pittsburgh UCF Rice Wake Forest Florida State, Louisville, and Virginia Tech at Duke all coming up this week for the ACC. We'll take a step aside here on Facebook Live on Live Now 
DT. That's facebook.com backslash live now DT. We'll end this video and the next video we put up on Facebook Live. So make sure you stay with us. Facebook.com backslash live now DT. Our next video will be my question and answer sessions with Dino Babers of Syracuse, the head coach, as well as quarterback Eric Dungey. Jarvion Howard, running back of the team, and running back Mo Neal will all be coming up in our next video. And for those of you listening on our live radio stream, continue to listen on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, and you'll get those conversations as well. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature sport court where you can enjoy basketball, volleyball, pickleball, soccer, lacrosse, and more year-round in their indoor facility. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Hope everybody is enjoying their week, having a great day today, and we are inside of the studios here with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Proud to be here with you and spend some time with you this morning, always having a good time here on the broadcast, and appreciate you tuning in. You are listening on MixLR.com backslash DT. You might also be on the homepage of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com. And, of course, you are on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT tuning in to the broadcast. It is now this portion of the show, and this video has been saved for you up until now, and that is my, my conversation 
with the Syracuse players. Eric Dungy coming up in just a few moments here on the broadcast. As So my Q&A with Eric Dungy, the quarterback of the team, as well as running backs Jarvion Howard, who's a true freshman, and Mo Neal, who is a junior, and of course Dino Babers, the head coach of the team. That's all coming up here on the broadcast. So I'm very excited for this opportunity in this moment to share this with you as Syracuse gets set to face off against the Clemson Tigers in a big-time matchup. Very excited about the opportunity to have this on the show. So make sure that you're tuning in right now. And I'm very, very, very pumped for this moment. This is a big-time game. Two teams are 4-0. Somebody's coming out of this 4-1. Somebody's coming out of this 5-0. and And with that being said, without further ado, I want to jump in to the matchup here and let you listen in to my conversations with the head coach, Dino Babers, as well as players on the team, Eric Dungy, Jarvion Howard, and Mo Neal. We're going to start with Eric Dungy in the grand scheme of things here, and then we'll move on to Jarvion Howard, then Mo Neal, and then the head coach of the team, Dino Babers, all coming up here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So let's head into that conversation in this moment that I got to have this week with the man, Eric Dungy, of the Syracuse Orange. This is what Eric Dungy had to say to me about his team right now this season. And we're going to start things off in our conversation with Eric Dungy on what he's seen from the team as far as growth-wise from last season to this season, from defeating Clemson at home last season, who was the reigning national champion at the time, to where the team stands this season. This is what Eric Dungy had to say about that. Um, I think it's just uh, it gives us some confidence, really, um, that you can play with some of those teams like that and that you can beat them. Um, I think that's a big thing for us. But like I said, you just can't get comfortable with that. You really just got to keep moving forward. The weapons that you have, just what you can say about some of those young receivers, especially how they've stepped up. Um, I think they've done a great job. Um, I think they're they're getting better week by week and they're improving and they're making small improvements week by week. And I'm looking forward to seeing them, you know, get in the film room and um, just make more improvements. Dante, Mo, Jarvion, just what you can say about how they've helped your job be a little bit easier this year so far. Uh, yeah, Dante and Mo, they bring a, a lot of experience and they help Jarvion along. Uh, Jarvion's definitely got you know that power to him, um, but Mo and uh, Dante especially, they got you know all that wisdom with them and they do a great job with the run uh, with the run block or not run block, you know, pass block and running the ball hard when we need it. That coming from Eric Dungy speaking on the run game, which is only fair if he's going to speak on the run game to head to those runners. And so the first one we're going to have up here of the backfield is Jarvion Howard. Jarvion Howard is a true freshman on the team who's broken some big runs in the first four games this season en route to Syracuse's 4-0 start. Jarvion Howard and I got to spend a lot of time together, and this is what he had to say. This conversation is an extensive conversation on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, so I feel very proud and honored to be able to share this with you. You're not going to find it anywhere else. This is what Jarvion Howard had to say to me about what made his early success on the team, in his opinion. Just going hard each and every play at practice. Um, just keeping the, the other guys, keeping me going. And that's the only thing, just keeping the record 0-0 and just knowing that we got to come out each and every day and grind. Mo Neal, what has he taught you? Mo Neal is an amazing person all the way around. Um, just having more in the room is just something. It's different. Each and every back in the room is something different. Um, so we just can't talk specifically on Monil. Um, running back core, 
we're trying, we're working hard. That's the only thing we can ask for. Mo and Dante's leadership, the fact that they've been here. Eric Dungey was talking about that, about what they bring experience-wise. So, like you said, as a running back room, what do Mo and Dante bring as leaders? It's keeping everybody going. It's not even the point of them teaching us. It's just the point of them keeping the positive aspect of it, keeping us going, not letting us drop our heads bad times, um, just keeping us going overall. You've had the opportunity to get out there. Did you get the sense of that going into the season and coming through fall camp that you were going to get your number called, or did it kind of surprise you when coaches like get out there? Just got to stay ready. Uh, <laughs> the thing that happened with, it, with that, he um, was just like, you up. And I have always had in back of my mind, my number be called, just stay ready. But on thing Coach did was just gave me an opportunity, and I just had to take it from there. Bring me into that first big play that you were able to break. Just once you get that out of the way, did it make everything else kind of feel a little bit easier after that once you were able to break it open? Well, I can't really just say it just made everything else go smoothly. Um, the main thing is just taking one play at a time. I mean, a good play, boom, that's gone. A bad play, boom, that's gone. Just taking one play at a time is how we is how we operate. So big plays gonna come, bad plays gonna come. Just how you just go in there and go to the next the next play. We know that Dante can score and he can break open some plays. Mo Neal as well. For you as a true freshman, you've been able to break it out into the open field. Just what you can say about you know, your talents and what you bring to the table because the fans have seen you, especially here in the dome, do what you can do. I mean, that's kind of hard. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it, uh, to some people it could be special, but I mean, things happen. I mean, it could have been just my game. Um, it could be Mo game. It could be just whoever really have the high hand. Um, just keeping them going, they keep me going during the week. That's that's the main reason why they give me my adrenaline pump just because they be like, okay, you got when you get in, just handle your business. You know what you're capable of. And that's the only thing I can thank them about. The running backs get a lot of the credit, but the offensive line obviously is a huge piece of this. Just what you can say about the offensive line that you have on the team with Cody Conway and Aaron Service and so on and so forth. Just what you take away from those guys and the work that they do to make sure that you have those holes. Practice. <laughs> you just got to come see practice. Um, they 100 every play. They coming in, blocking hard, blocking hard, blocking hard, holding, keeping the running backs to a high standard. And that's what it opens up. If it's not open, I know it's going to open eventually when dealing with those guys. Um, the offensive line just got to come out. We're we going to fight, and that's it. You've been able to break it out into the open field and get those big runs and get almost to that point. Is, is there frustration right at the end in those last two yards not crossing? I mean, not really. <clears throat> I know it's my time. Um, I mean, it's two yards. I just got to work hard at practice to get to work and get those next two yards when I, when I break again. Um, but it's not really frustration because it's not really a selfish thing. Um, if I get down at the one and it is what it is on to the next play, yeah. you just got to just grasp the moment when it's time. So, I mean, it's, it's there. You got to take it. <laughs> If it's not, it's just your chance. You weren't here for the Clemson game last season when Syracuse won that game. 
what has the team told you about it, the guys told you about it, and does last season play into this season at all, or are they just taking this as a clean slate? Oh, no. Every game that we took from from Western Michigan to now, 0-0, clean slate. We're not looking at old before and no, before and no. It's no big, you know what I'm saying? It's no big hype. We're just coming out, working hard every day. You know what I'm saying? We treating them as, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a team. Can't sleep on nobody. If we were playing major peewee team, we treat them the same as Clemson. We don't look up, you know what I'm saying? We keep everybody on the same page. We're going to come out, we're going to work hard at practice the same way the whole week. Dino and the staff got you to come here. Going through your recruitment, besides Dino, who were some of the other coaches that played a big role in getting you here to Syracuse? Uh, well, to be honest, it was a lot coaches changing, but it was Lustig, Lynch, um, just the whole staff really. Um, they played a big role. We just, they, it was nothing really just, like, it was because of my choice. You know, so I didn't really look at the coaching. Yeah. It was my choice, and I just like what, what they had, what Syracuse had to offer. So, that's how I looked at it. Hindsight being 2020, deciding to come here. I know you're only four games in, but what do you like about the culture, the environment, kind of where the team is at, knowing that you made this decision, now that you look back at that decision, just how good was that decision for you as of right now? I'm not looking at it from the, the height point from, oh, before I know. If we were or and four, I just like the way we come out, practice. Um, I like the way we, like, overall as a team, like, the culture of the fans and, you yeah. know, everything ties in together. Um, if I know my team even 100%, I'm down for them. If we go downhill from now on, you know, up from now on, I'm 100% with them. If we give 100% as a team, I'm with us. Eric Dungy's been in. Tommy DeVito's been in. You've gotten to play with both of them. What do you like of both of the quarterbacks out there? Because they both had success so far. Can't really, you know what I'm saying? Can't really speak on that. Uh, that's quarterbacks. going to be quarterbacks. Um, both good players. When you're out there with them, they both obviously have their skill sets and their abilities. Do you feel that leadership? I mean, do you guys corral around them, no matter who it is under center? Do you feel that there's that unity? Yeah, everybody has it. You know what I'm saying? Both quarterbacks have leadership. It don't really no matter who in the game. They all keep us at a high standard as a running back. They don't look at us no differently. They don't look at us as like a number, as a player. They look at us as the same person. You know what I'm saying? Because I look at I look at the quarterbacks as being like, okay, that's Eric Dungey. Okay, that's Tommy DeVito. Quarterbacks, they bring the same thing to the table when I see it. Joe Morris was retired and and had that jersey put up there, number forty-seven. He said he wanted to rush for a thousand yards in his entire career at Syracuse. He did it three times out of four seasons. Did you get to spend any time with him as a team? Was there anything that you could take away from him as a running back to a running back? Joe Morris, uh, yeah. I never really, I haven't met Joe Morris. No, but you see that moment and obviously the history of, of Ernie Davis and Jim Brown and Joe Morris and Floyd Little and whatnot. Does that mean anything to you as a running back down in Orange? I mean, it's an honor, but it's an honor, but I really don't even take time out there. Yeah. It's an honor. I, I like what they did here um, with the 44s, but I really don't. I really can't even speak on that. It's a here and now thing yeah. for you. Donovan Darius did get to speak to you guys in the locker room, though. Do you remember what he said in that Florida State game? Um, 
just grabs the moment, come out and play hard. And that's the only thing that stuck with me throughout the uh, whole time he was talking. The only thing that stuck out to Jarvion Howard from Donovan Darius, grasp the moment and just go out and play hard. That coming in my extensive conversation you'll only find here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, and that being with Jarvion Howard. Fellow member of the backfield that he brought up in conversation is Mo Neal, and that means that Mo Neal is next up on the broadcast here. So this is my one-on-one conversation with Mo Neal, who is a junior on the team, wears my number 21. I know it's his number, but... You know, I was born on October 21st, so it's always been mine as well. Mo Neal had an opportunity, and Mo Neal and I had an opportunity to have an extensive conversation ourselves this week. And this conversation is coming to you right now on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, starting with his thoughts on Jarvion Howard, who you just heard from. Uh, you know, he's poised for success, man. You know, he kind of remind me of me coming in. You know, he's hungry as a freshman. He's he's trying to make big plays. He have made big plays uh, for us, and uh, he's gonna be, you know, a sight to see in the future once he, you know, calm down and relaxes, and you know, just let the game come to him more, and you know, just learn more, you know, mentally, you know, because you know that's what I had to do. You know, my freshman year, it's a big difference, man. You know, once you understand the game, understand the offense better, and uh, you know. Learn defenses and stuff like that, you know, it helps out a lot. Speak with me about the, the mental game for you because it's such a huge part of the game that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. From when you were a freshman to now, bring me into how you've mentally progressed, in your opinion. Um, you know, just just recognizing defenses, uh, studying film more, you know, just being more in tune. Also, it helped, you know, with me, you know, knowing what I have to do, you know, you know, knowing what, you know, what everybody else around me has, you know, and it helps out a lot, you know, because I can just go play ball now, you know, I could just focus on other stuff, and, uh, you know, like that's just, you know, our opponent of the week, and, uh, you know, just mentally, you know, just knowing what they're going to do before they do it is a big help. You've been a big part of the rushing attack more so this season than your first couple seasons, just what you can say about getting onto the field and the trust that you've built with the coaching staff to be out there. Um, you know, you know, it all started back, you know, just uh, you know, summer, you know, just getting in the weight room, working hard, you know, putting on a few pounds, um, you know, just trying to get ready, you know, uh, for the year and uh, just get my body in the best of shape I can, you know, to take on uh, the, uh, a lot of carries. Um, you know, I felt like I have uh, built, you know, some trust, you know, with the coaching staff, you know, from the past couple years, and uh, you know, I put in a good fall count, you know, worked my butt off and. Uh, you know, it's, it's you know you can see it paying off. You know, and the offensive line doing doing their job real well, and uh, you know everything's coming together. I want to ask you about that line and how much they've grown, and now this being your third season, just what you've seen from them—not only the starters but the depth behind them as well. Um, you know, it's a talented, it's a talented group. You know, they uh, they put in a lot of work. We we knew coming in that they was going to be good. You know, they had a great fall camp. You know, they've been getting after people all year long. Um, you know, they continue to do it. Uh, you know, just seeing those guys progress from my freshman year. You know, and. You know, it's just, you know, amazing because, you know, those guys, you know, they've been together too, so they know each other. You know, we know them. We know what they're going to do. They know what we're going to do. So it's just good to have that familiar. Going into the season and fall camp, we talked about thunder and lightning, lightning and thunder back and forth between you and, and Dante Strickland. You guys have both gotten in, you know, done some good things this season so far and been utilized in different places. Just what you can say about playing off each other and how you guys have grown into that one-two punch so far. Uh, you know, yeah. 
like you said, we we feed off each other. You know, um, every time we go in, you know, we tell each other, man, make a play. You know, let's make a play. You know, let's be that guy. Let's be that guy to spark the team. And uh, we pride ourselves on, uh, you know, going out there you know, each and every play. You know, just doing our best and uh, you know making sure we're doing a good job. You know, with the uh, without the ball in our hands. You know, just picking up blitzes, uh, carrying out our fakes and stuff like that. So we definitely feed off each other game and uh, you know try to make each other better. There is a QB sneak that Eric Dungey tried. Dante went up to him and he kind of just handed the ball out and then Dante took it to the left side. Eric was talking about how Coach had said to him, Dino had said to him, great play, don't do it again. I asked Dino about that and he said it was absolutely a great play and he better listen and not just hear me and not do it again. What did you think of that play? Because it was kind of a, you don't see that much you know, too often where somebody's trying to sneak it in and then it's like, all right, you know what, you take it. Yeah, you, you don't see that often, man. You know, that's just a testament to how great Dungey is. You know, Dungey is always aware. Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't do something like that. You know, you wouldn't want a kid to do something like that. But you know, a heads up play like that, man, is 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 you know it's crazy. You know, um, and uh, you know, did nobody expect it? <laughs> and uh, you know, it was, it was it was a great play. You know, but you know, like Coach said, you better listen to him. <laughs> You've been here for three seasons. Virginia Tech went down, Florida State, Clemson. These are storied programs, and obviously Florida State may not be what it was a few years back, but these are storied names, historic names in the ACC. What does it mean to you to be a part of each of these pieces, and what are these pieces doing to create the bigger puzzle for the team and for Syracuse? It means a lot being a part of this, man. You know, that's something I always wanted to do. I mean, when I made the decision to come here, I wanted to, you know, come to a prestigious program like Syracuse and, uh, you know, get it back on track to a winning ways man and uh you know we we done took the necessary steps you know i think it's all starting to come together you know with those uh signature wins that we have under our belt and uh you know it's showing you know we off to a four no star you know everybody got a lot of confidence the guys are excited and uh you know we just decided to you know keep it rolling how do you keep it focused being four no for the first time in 27 years there's all this outside noise how do you stay focused on the task at hand and do what jervion howard was saying to me which is every week it's gotta be zero zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, you know, we, we, we gotta take each you know, we gotta to go into every week, you know, uh, just focus on that game. You know, we can't look ahead, you know, we can't look in the past. Um, you know, we just gotta we keep getting better and better, you know, each and every week, man. And uh, you know, we just gotta stay focused. You know, everybody's gotta do their job, everybody's gotta buy into the system. We can't be selfish, um, you know, no matter who gets the credit. Um, you know, and uh, you know, we're doing that, you know, and uh, we just gotta continue to do that. Joe Morris, he got retired, that number 47 jersey inside the Carrier Dome before the UConn, or during the UConn game. What did that mean to you to see that honor? Because obviously you're carrying the torch of being a running back here at Syracuse. So what did that mean to you to see him finally be honored for something that he did a few, obviously uh, almost uh, what, three decades ago? I meant a lot, you know, seeing a legend like that come back, you know, getting a, a recognition that he deserves, you know, it was, it was a great feeling, you know. Um, you know, like, it was just amazing, you know, like, you know, dang, like, you know, that was, that was a legend. He was here in my shoes, who played the same position, so, you know, it was, it was great seeing that. Clemson, what do you remember of that victory that you can take into this? Obviously, their defensive line, everybody came back, so just what you remember of that matchup, what you're seeing on film, knowing that, obviously, they're going to come to play every single game. Mm -hmm. They're trying to be national contenders every year, and yeah. you faced a lot of those faces that you'll yeah. be up against again. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we know
know we went their uh, best shot. You know, they're, they're going to come out hungry. They come out hungry each and every game. You know, and it, and it doesn't help that, you know, that we gave them one of their two losses for, from last year. So, you know, they're definitely going to come out ready to compete. You know, those are a very group of uh, talented guys on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, we just got to come out and play, you know, uh, like we did last year. We came out. Um, you know, everybody was focused. Um, you know, we didn't do nothing special. You know, we just came out and played football. And, uh, you know, just like I say, everybody's got to do their job. And lastly, for me, Dungey and DeVito, you've got to play with both of them. Yeah. Obviously, they've been successful in moving the ball up and down the field and getting into the end zone. What can you say about both of those guys under center? I know you've had more time with Dungey, but DeVito as well. Uh, yeah, uh, both of those guys are, uh, you know, great players, man. You know, they bring, you know, a lot to the table, you know, and, uh, you know, whoever's in, you know, we, we keep it rolling. Uh, our coaching staff does a good job of, uh, you know, having our people, you know, ready to go because, you know, if something's happened, next man's up, and, uh, you know, that's what I really like, and uh, we're not losing a step if we got either, either one of them in, so, you know. That coming once again from Mo Neal. Mo Neal running back on the Syracuse Orange, who has had a lot of success this season, more success this season than he has had in previous seasons as far as running the ball and helping Syracuse to get that ball down the field. Syracuse is at Clemson this Saturday, September 29th in Death Valley. Number three ranked Clemson is 4-0. Syracuse is 4-0. The game is at noon Eastern time on ABC and on the Watch ESPN app. And just to make a quick note here about Mo Neal so far this season, he is the he, he has the most yards of any true running back on Syracuse's team. Leading the backfield is Eric Dungey with 354 yards. Right behind him, as far as running backs go, is Mo Neal with 346, just eight yards behind Eric Dungey. So for everybody that likes Eric Dungey and what he could do on his feet, Mo Neal is very, very close to that. The team has only played in four games, yet they've run rushed for over 1,100 yards this season, 1,112 yards, 184 to Jarvion. Howard 170 to Dante Strickland 35 to Marquenzi Pierre 7 to Sean Riley Tommy DeVito with 21 Moniel with 346 like I said and Eric Dungey with 354 Moniel is averaging just about five yards per carry this season and what he's done game-wise he had 84 yards at Western Michigan 71 yards against Wagner, 75 against Florida State, and 116 for his first 100-yard rushing game of this season against UConn most recently. And finally, coming up next, you're going to hear from the man that is the head coach of the squad, Mr. Dino Babers, is coming up next here on the broadcast. I had an opportunity to speak with him on the ACC teleconference, and Dino Babers and I had a lot of different things to discuss, four different topics, and they're all coming to you right now on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Just to speak on the elevated play of the defense in the last two games for you, I know that you've spoken on the praises of your defensive coordinator, Brian Ward, and the staff, and just what you can say you've seen in these last two games specifically. Well, I just I think we've been extremely uh, fundamentally sound, and we've we've really done some nice things. We're winning our one-on-one -on -one battles up front with the defensive line. We're being opportunistic in the back end with our when our DBs get an opportunity to touch a football for an interception, their catching percentage is through the roof right now, which we're really excited about. And then our linebackers, although they're the youth of our defense, they've been coming along and then playing steady for us. So that combination of the guys up front really uh, setting the pace has really been effective for us. 
And then as far as running the ball, when Joe Morris had come back in to be honored, he said that he spoke with you about kind of the future and the guys on the ground and respecting Eric Dungy's ability to run. But when you look at the true running backs, Jarvion Howard, as well as Mo Neal and Dante Strickland, just what you've seen from them this season as a group moving forward. I think as a group we have you know we have a good a good a good solid running crew. I think everybody kind of brings their own dimension back there. Everybody has their own special talents. I don't think that one guy has stood out. If one guy has stood out, he'd be the guy back there most of the time. And until someone separates themselves from the group, I think those guys have been very unselfish the way they work together. Coach, uh, to follow up, coming into Syracuse, you took some of the players that were obviously there before and then have brought in and recruited players that are under, you know, obviously your system and, and your coaches. With that balance, just what you can say about growing this team and being successful with a team that partially had been there before you and then the other part had come obviously during that because I don't think there's a lot of respect from the outside looking in of how hard it is to balance that together and find success. Well, first of all, that's a fantastic question. Here at Syracuse, we really don't, you know, just kick kids to the side. We really want young men to be able to graduate and graduate with their degrees. It's really a, the mission statement of this university and something that, uh, as an employee of this university, that we ta- I take great pride in. So it's, it's, you're right. We try to jigsaw puzzle this thing together. We try to take uh, what we can from the old team and then recruit what we can from outside and try to put something together that's respectable on the football field that uh, that people would enjoy looking at and, and gives us an opportunity to win. And it's a slow process. It's a lot slower than other processes, but we do feel like it's the proper way to go about it. And going through this process, just what you can say on the recruiting trail from the day that you got into Syracuse to where you stand right now, how the response has been, and if there has been an uptick or more appreciation for the program and what you've been able to build so far as you continue. Well, I think there's no doubt the, the win over Virginia Tech our first year with them winning the other side of the conference and then playing a close game against Clemson in the championship, uh, champion, ACC championship game obviously helped us. The win last year against Clemson actually helped us as well. We haven't had the blessing of being able to go to a bowl game in our first two years, which is obviously a negative. But to have two wins like that and have something to point to to tell young men that if you come here – we're doing it the right way. You can have an opportunity to play early, and you're going to play big-time football, especially when you play in the ACC Atlantic, has definitely helped. And now we just got to see how far we can take this thing. It's one game at a time for us. Uh, we are not looking ahead. Um, we have a, a, a huge task this Saturday versus a, a championship football team, a top-four caliber football team, and we're going to go out there and give it our best. That coming from Dino Babers of the Syracuse Orange in our conversation this week. I want to thank the ACC for the teleconference opportunity that they give us every single week to speak with the coaches of the Atlantic Coast Conference and Dino Babers obviously being one of them once again. He will face off on the road at Clemson. It's the third time he's faced Clemson. He was on the road at Clemson and then back at home defeating Clemson this past season when Clemson was the reigning national champion coming in and ranked number two in the country and probably the second biggest win ever inside of the Carrier Dome next to the Nebraska game of the 80s when Nebraska was ranked number one in the country. So Dino Babers giving Syracuse some big-time wins inside of the Carrier Dome. Virginia Tech in his first season of 2016 
Clemson in his in his second season, 2017, and most recently Florida State inside of the Dome in 2018. Now he's looking to get a big-time road win. Syracuse has struggled to be a strong road team in recent history. He's looking to change that. The team is looking to change that. And whoever goes and wins this game between Syracuse and Clemson will be 5-0. and The other team will be 4-1. and And believe it or not, folks, the team that's 5-0 and is going to be at the top of the Atlantic division of the ACC. So if Syracuse is to defeat Clemson, they will be in first place of the Atlantic division after finishing in seventh place in recent history and being bottom feeders for the last few seasons of being in the ACC. Dino Babers looking to change that. The team looking to change that. They're locked in at 0-0 every single week. And they definitely are feeling, at least from my perspective, being around this team for as long as I have and covering them for as long as I have over a decade's time, I haven't seen a team with this type of attitude and this type of fervor in a while. Reminds me of the Doug Marone time and when Doug Marone was starting to get clicking and, and, and get those victories, but yet a little bit different. Dino Babers and this team are on, are on a precipice right now. They are on a cliff, and they are either going to jump and reach the other side, or their jump and might have to scrape at it. But I don't think they're going to hit rock bottom. I don't think they're going to fall off this thing. They're either going to jump and clear the thing, or they're going to jump and hold on to a rock and then have to pull themselves up. But I think this is a different Syracuse team for all the right reasons in the here and now that we're seeing. I want to give a special thanks to Eric Dungy for spending some time with me this week. Jarvion Howard, true freshman running back, for also spending some time on the show with a conversation you won't find anywhere else. Mo Neal for doing the same thing, the junior running back, and of course head coach Dino Babers for spending some extensive time with me on the ACC teleconference this week. Much respect and much appreciation to Dino Babers and the Syracuse team. We'll be back here on Facebook Live in just a moment with John Newman of Newman Sports Cards, Jordan Newman coming on as well. So you'll see us in the studio on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now DT. And you will also be able to continue to listen to us for a little while longer on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT as we typically go to 11 a.m. But we're branching out and always giving you some more love on TGIF. You can also check it out on wakeupcalldt.com. So we'll take a fast break. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast. For everybody that's watching and listening on Facebook Live, make sure you spin back around with us. We will be back here in the same spot, facebook.com backslash live now DT in just a few moments. Once again, a big thanks to Dino Babers, Eric Dungy, Jarvion Howard, and Mo Neal for talking with me this week, as well as Kendall Coleman, who you heard from earlier in the week, Sean Riley as well, and Gabe Haran, who caught his first ever touchdown as a college football player on his first ever play in his first ever game. First first ever play in his first ever game, first ever catches his first ever touchdown. I think that's a pretty good start for number 88, Gabe Haran, who was recruited by the Big Ten and Syracuse and ultimately decided to stay at home with the Syracuse Orange, the only scholarship local player on the team right now. I hope that that changes and they add more, but darn it, doesn't it feel good when Gabe Haran gets a touchdown for this team? We'll take a step aside. We'll be back in just a moment on Facebook Live and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Syracuse, Clemson. This Saturday, September 29th, in Death Valley at noon Eastern time on ABC. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. 
I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. He kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, and you know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so. I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortor on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm hanging out here with John Newman of Newman Sports Cards in the building with us right now. Very happy to have him here on the broadcast, as always, per use, as I like to say. So we're happy to have John Newman here with us of Newman Sports Cards, having some fun every single Friday edition of the show, and always a good time to have John on the show. So, Mr. Newman, how, how is life treating you today? How are, how are we doing today? Good. I'm a little dragging a little bit. I'm tired, but I'm alive. That's half the battle. Why are you so tired today, Newman? I don't know. I, I play softball on Thursday night, so okay. I think maybe uh, you know, my I'm getting older, so so we think softball's gotten you. We're gonna we're gonna need you to liven up here, Newman. We got it. We got to get your energy pumping. And how do you do that? Well, look right behind us. Oh yeah, there, <laughs> there you go with Monster Energy. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. I've sneezed on the air more now than I think ever in a lifetime. Of 15 plus years of being on the broadcast, 
I've never sneezed as much as I've sneezed. And there's nothing like, there's two sneezes I don't like. Sneezes when you're driving a car, because I think it's God's humor, but it's like, obviously you can't see what's going on. And sneezing when I'm on live radio. Those are the two sneezes I could do without. Or sneezing on other people. Or sneezing on other people. But when I sneeze on you, it's okay. Yeah. It's all good. So, Newman, so what's going on in life? So, you're playing softball. You're exhausted. You're a little bit tired here in the building. But you're here. You're alive. You're good. Baker Mayfield is now the starter of the Cleveland Browns. They finally decided that he could be the starter now after watching the tape. So, what do you think about that? Well, what did I tell you? I think I thought he was the best uh, quarterback in this draft, and uh, certainly looked that way the other day. You know, you look at that; he was going up against Darnold, and and one guy looked very polished, and one guy looked very young. Yeah, you know, Sam Darnold, I think, is going to look more of the Peyton Manning way right now. I think he's going to throw a lot of interceptions yeah. in his first season. I think the thing is, you know. When you're playing the Detroit Lions, it just shows how low the Lions are to allow what they allowed. But then they'll—it's been such a strange season because the Lions make Sam Darnold look like, you know, they make they make the Jets and the, they make offense, defense, special teams of the Jets and Sam Darnold in his rookie debut. They make the entire team look like these phenomenal contenders, but. Then the Lions go and they play the New England Patriots. They beat them handily. So there's there's this confusion in this, who are the Lions, who are the Patriots, who are the Jets? I think the Jets are going to struggle. I don't really know who the Lions are going to be. And I think, you know, the Patriots normally, you know, fi- figure out a way to, you know, refill the water in the Holy Grail and be okay. The Jets are going to struggle? I think so. I don't care about the Jets struggling. <laughs> I just want to kiss him. <laughs> it's not John and I actually wanting to kiss each other. That's that's you know obviously if you, the. If you don't know what that is, yeah. You, if, you, if you don't YouTube, know what that is, then YouTube Joe Namath. Yeah, Joe Namath known more for that than anything else <laughs> in his career. Really makes you feel good when you're when that's what you become known for. It's. I don't care about the Jets, okay, Susie? I just want to kiss you. That's, that's exactly One of my favorite I'm... moments of all time. Yeah, they, And it, I watched that literally live as it happened, and I just, I remember it like it was yesterday. And it kind of makes you feel like that is that is the definition of the Jets right now. It's like, yeah. we don't care about football. We just want to yeah. kiss you. Now, I do think they're going to get better. I think there's going to be a lot to be said about what what can become of the Jets moving forward here. And I did say that I think Sam Darnold, in my opinion, was going to be the best one to come out this season. So it's left to be... So far, I'm winning that bet, I believe. Yeah, you are winning that bet. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's the only one that started outright in week one. Josh Rosen did not... He just named the starter for week four here in the NFL. Josh Allen took over and was eventually named the starter, and Baker Mayfield took over recently last week and was named the starter. So, you know, the only one to really take off from week one is Sam Darnold. So, you know, the jury's out on what's going to happen with these guys. I don't think the Arizona Cardinals can do any worse mm-hmm. with Josh Rosen than they had with Sam with Sam Bradford. Uh, Josh Allen, oh my God, what he did with, with against the Vikings on the road. 
And then, you it's know. It's a crazy NFL year. I mean, that. Yeah. Baker Mayfield is. I if mean, you're a better, the NFL is really so unpredictable this year. If you're betting on team logos and players who names sound cool, you're probably winning a lot yeah. of money right and now. And someone betting with their head, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm in a survivor pool, or I should say I was in a survivor pool. But uh, thanks for Buffalo, I'm, I'm not no more. You know, I thought that Minnesota Bills game was a lock for the Vikings in Minnesota and new quarterback, and uh, apparently I don't know much about football. So <laughs> I don't think anybody could have picked Minnesota. Or, pardon me, picked the Bills. Yeah. To win that game in Minnesota, you're in Minnesota. Minnesota's got Kirk Cousins, Kyle Rudolph, Stephon Diggs, Latavius Murray, Delvin Cook, who albeit wasn't 100. percent Adam Thielen, who's leading. You know he's one of the top receivers right now in fantasy football numbers wise. And you're playing in Minnesota. You're playing, like I said, their defense. I don't think anybody would have thought that they were going to be outscored 27 to nothing. The Bills didn't even score one single point in the second half of the game and still won 27 to six. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and Josh I, Allen left over somebody. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think I didn't watch the so. game, but I was watching it on my phone and I was just, I was waiting for Minnesota to start playing. Yeah. Like they, all right. They're digging a hole, but they'll rally back and they just never, they never did. They never rallied back into this thing, and it was—I mean, it was a—it was an awful game. It was a—it was a tremendously poor game played by Minnesota, and then Minnesota played wrote most recently to start off Week Four, and they were playing. We were all talking to each other last night. You and uh, your son Jordan, who will be on the show in just a little bit. We, the three of us, were on the phone together during this game, and Minnesota didn't play bad. This was this was probably one of the greatest fantasy games that anybody's had in a while. I have 83 points going into week four thanks to one game. I'm 17 points away from hitting 100. It's, it was like arena football last night. Oh, it was definitely arena football. If you're a fan of defense, you didn't like last night, you know. Yeah. But I think this is what the NFL wants. I, I think they like, you know, I think the, the NFL, if they, if they were truthful, they would tell you last night, was they they'd have all 15 16 games like that play like play out like that high scoring very quick uh you know both teams throwing throwing touchdowns on the board left and right i think that's the brand they want i think that's really why are these roughing the passer rules or trying to protect these superstar quarterbacks because yeah. these quarterbacks are the ones that that put the ball uh, points on the board so quick so um i think the nfl looked at that and last night and said man that's that's we like that kind of stuff yeah i definitely think that this has become a, a very you know I, I mean they want protecting the quarterback and, and this is something and i brought it up this week with clay matthews as i think he has three penalties in three weeks three fines and the issue with this is and, and and other people have talked about it, and I've said it very clear. I've said it at shows live on location at the Press Room Pub and whatnot. How do you, as especially, you're 300-something pounds, you're running full force, I hit John, okay, so John's the quarterback, and I'm Clay Matthews. I hit John at 285 pounds, 265 pounds. I'm hitting you going like at least 10, 15 miles an hour. I have to fall, as I'm falling, 
push myself off of you and let you fall to the ground by yourself. I'm trying to strip the ball. I'm trying to get a fumble. I'm trying to hit you as hard as I can. I'm trying to take you out of the game. And essentially, all I can do is go, fall over, John. Fall over. Yeah. It's two-hand touch. And the thing is, if I push you and jump off and you don't fall and you run for 15 yards, I'm getting screamed at by my coach. I might lose my job that week. There is no easy way to sack a quarterback anymore. And it's, I mean, this rule of I have to I have to fall and then... And then just jump yeah, off of you. You can't legislate that. You can't even, but you can't, you can't physically with the yeah. rules of gravity even do that. I think they need to it's really crazy. simplify. I think they just, what they had kind of before was, was the right way to call it, where you can't pick someone up and drive them, similar to how yeah. Aaron Rodgers was injured in the Vikings game last year. Yeah. That's rough in the passer. And they need to get back to that. Either they have to go back to that or... We got to put flags on the quarterback, and when their flags pulled, yeah, plays pull over, flag. yeah. and then we take you know any doubt right out of it. But the game is a high speed game; it's played at that speed. You can't, you know, tackling. You have to land. You know, I coach football. We teach people to to how to tackle and then to to land on them. You know, and. It's not even a matter of trying to hurt somebody. It's, you know, uh, I, I just don't know. They're trying to, they're, they're making the game almost impossible to play under the rules that they're, they're, they're providing. So you if you're worried about the quarterbacks that much, I get it. I get it. I, I, I don't disagree with trying to protect the face of many teams, but. There's a there's a way to do it and a way not to do it. This way is getting kind of ridiculous. Uh, the f- defensive players don't know what to do anymore. Ref- forget the defensive players don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> uh, referees don't know what to call. They're not even sure. Throw the flag. And now I think they're just throwing the flag too quick. Yeah, so, you know, obviously uh, throwing the flag. And, and we got uh, Jordan Newman coming into the studios here, so... John will be back with us in just a moment here as we have Jordan coming into our studios to speak with us and spend some time with us. But, you know, this is this has been definitely a, a shocking, uh, you know, it, it, it's a shock to the system type of rule. I don't think that it works. I don't think that it's smart. I don't think that it makes a whole lot of sense. You know, they're taking the defenders out of the game, essentially. They're making it almost impossible to sack a quarterback, almost uh, impossible to have a strip sack and recover the fumble, it's just, I understand wanting wanting to protect the quarterbacks. I understand that quarterbacks, you know, suffer from concussions more than any other position in history. So I know that that's an issue of trying to, you know, battle back and and to not have to go through CTE, to not have to go through all these different things that could happen to a quarterback and concussions and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, the reality of it all is, yes, we want to protect the quarterback. Yes, we want to protect the health of these players down the road. But ultimately, defenders are not having any type of an easy road to win this game or get it done and it's, it's getting pretty ridiculous. You know, as a defender, if I'm a linebacker, a safety, a corner, a defensive lineman, I'm frustrated at this point. I don't know what I'm allowed to do, what I'm not allowed to do. Can I sack the quarterback? Should I not even try to sack the quarterback? If I sack the quarterback, I'm going to lose money. If I sack the quarterback, I'm going to be, you know, looked at as, you know, by the NFL and maybe fans as a dirty player. If I go to strip the ball 
Am I falling on the quarterback? I mean, it's just, it's too much stuff to have to remember. It's too many things to have to do. Your job forever in football as a defender is that the quarterback calls hike, he drops back, and you go at him. By any means necessary, you take him down. Now, I'm not for helmet to helmet. I'm not for trying to injure a player. But I 100%, if I'm coming off the edge as a defensive end, I am coming after you and I am attacking you with every fiber of my being to try and create an atmosphere where I can change the game. And if I'm playing up against, you know, if, if I'm playing up against the New England Patriots, you know, I know for sure with utter certainty that if I want to win this game in order for me to win the game, I'm going to have to attack Tom Brady and get Tom Brady down. I mean, any team knows this in any stretch of their imagination. If you want to win a game, you got to get after the quarterback. If you're playing Aaron Rodgers, if you're playing Tom Brady, if you're playing Drew Brees, if you're playing Matt Ryan, if you're playing, you know, Kirk Cousins, if you're playing, you know, a bunch of these guys, Ben Roethlisberger, you want to win the game, you have to get the quarterback down, especially against the elite quarterbacks of the NFL. It's the reality of it all. So you take it away from a defender and you're going to change the game. You change the game then, you know, defenses are just going to say, what the hell are we supposed to do? It makes you feel like you want to give up, and it puts you in a position where you just don't feel like you can really do much of anything. So I am all for protecting players. I'm all for, you know, anti-CTE and keeping players healthy for their entire life and not just the longevity of their, their NFL career. And at the same time, I don't know how you make any hay, make any money, or you know, put yourself in the record books in the Hall of Fame as a defender right now when you have to, you know, you have to graze your pinky on Tom Brady and say, can you fall over, please? Can you just fall over? So I just, I don't think that it does anything for the game. Jordan Newman's in the house. What do you think about the new tackle rule and how a quarterback essentially, you know, unless you are able to hit the quarterback, fall upon him, touch him down, so you have to hit him as you're falling, push off of him, smack the ball as you're in the air, and then touch him down just to make sure he's down. you got to do 17 different things to make sure he's down. What do you think about it? Um, I agree with certain aspects of it where you shouldn't be able to drive him into the ground if he's already on his way down. I just I don't understand how you don't land on him. That's the main thing I don't get. Is you're, If you're tackling someone... The only place you're going to land is either on him or the grass. There's no... And to be able to tackle someone, know when they're going to go down and then roll away is nearly impossible. I understand the driving thing because once you have a guy down and then you lift and go to drive him into the ground, that can create injury. That I agree with. But the whole landing on a guy is nearly impossible to avoid. And you're saying that from the perspective of a quarterback that you know that that's, you know, who you've gone up against, it's almost impossible for someone to take you down, especially if you're a running quarterback. Yeah, I think, I mean, once you're out of pocket, I think most rules should almost be off. I think a lot of the the roughing the pass rules should be more apply if you're really just standing in the pocket. I think once you really break contain, not even as a runner, but just out of the pocket, it's a lot more difficult to make a clean tackle, I guess, when they're moving. Even if they're not running, but if they're moving out of the pocket looking to go downfield, it's a lot harder to to attack someone when they're moving. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and this is creating an issue with the professional ranks. It's a strange rule. It's, you know, and I understand what it's for, 
But with getting new helmets and changing the way you can practice and going through a new concussion protocol that changed after Colt McCoy played a fourth quarter in 14 minutes he doesn't even remember to, you know, now this new rule. There's all these things being put in place to try and and assist the quarterback, but the reality of it all is quarterbacks are still going to get hit. They're still going to have to go up against this. It's still going to be difficult, and, I mean, it's just it's just the reality of the game. The reality of the game is it is a barbaric, dangerous, full-contact sport that no matter what you do, somebody's going to get hurt. It's just how it is. And as I spoke with Rob Drummond about, there, if you really were honest at your, with your injury report, you would kind of be like the Patriots, and everybody on your 53-man roster would have an injury because nobody, as you know, Jordan, you know, you, everybody wakes up sore, everybody has bruises or a crack rib or a cut here or, a, you know, something there. You, you're gonna you're gonna have the bruise on your rib cage. You're gonna have the cut above your eye. It's just the reality of it all. Every time you play football, it's like you got in a barroom brawl, and nobody is a hundred a hundred percent healthy. And you know, I I understand wanting to protect guys, but no matter what it is, you're gonna play this sport where you're gonna get your butt beat all the time. And you know, you want to see 35 carries for Leonard Fournette or whatever running back you want to see out there. 35 carries means 35 times that he's banging bodies with somebody in a game. He's going to wake up Monday morning, and the fans aren't going to think about this, but he most surely as hell is going to say, you better, you better pay me for what I have to go through. What do you guys think about you know, that notion of it all, is that you know everybody essentially is not playing 100%. I, I think I think people forget it's football. You can try and avoid injuries as much as you can. I think there should be basic rules put in place to limit injuries. But no matter what, it's still football. You're still running full speed at another man. It's injuries will happen. You can do what you can to avoid it, but changing the game fundamentally to avoid it, it, it doesn't make much sense. I've had this conversation with Jordan. Football is a violent sport. You know, um, that's why they make all those those videos where they show hard hits and and turnovers and 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 that sort of thing the players that are playing this game know that comes with the territory i think with the nfl i understand the rules some of them are good this this rough in the quarterback ones got out out of hand now the the refs like i said don't know how to call it the defenders don't know how to tackle anymore without getting a penalty go back make it simpler like we were talking about, you just can't pick up and drive someone down. If you just wrap up, tackle, and bring them to the ground, it's a sack, it's a tackle. Let it be what what it is, which it's always been. Um, you know, maybe we got to have these players, when they come in the league as rookies, sign something basically acknowledging the risk that this game entails, that there could be future repercussions, whether it be you know, neurological stuff or broken bones and arthritis and trouble walking. You know, this isn't something new, really. I mean, there's guys that, you know, played in the 50s, 60s that are alive today that these players know have these issues and they still play. So maybe, you know, I hate to sound, you know, legislative like that, but maybe everyone, you know, you want to play in this league, so you have to sign a document yeah. acknowledging the future risks of that decision you know i don't you know i i don't think it's the nfl's fault necessarily um that these players are, are getting 
uh, these illnesses or, or injuries that are that are you know affecting their life later on. And I'm not saying you want to see that. I think the NFL is trying to make rules to eliminate as much as that as they can. Yeah. But there's no rule that they can come up with where people aren't going to careers aren't going to be ended by concussions. Right. That people aren't going to need canes and and to get around and physical therapy and everything else they're going to need later in life. I think that comes with the sport. And that isn't just regulated to football. There are other sports where people have long-term injuries that uh, affect their lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, the reality is it's a violent sport and different things are going to happen and could happen to you. Freak injuries happen. I mean, Jamal Anderson planted his cleat in practice in the turf. The cleat got stuck, so his foot went one way, his leg went the other way, and he tore his ACL right after going to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, there are things that are going to happen that are inevitable in this game. And, you know, you can make as many rules as you want to, but like you said, you know what you're getting into, you know what you're playing, hence why guys want to get paid. And that's one of the arguments in favor of Le'Veon Bell and why he's holding out is saying he's trying to get maybe potentially his fa- his his final contract. That this is going to be his last one, second to last one, whatever it may be. And he wants to get paid because, God forbid, he sign- he doesn't have this contract. He's franchise tagged. He comes back. He plays. He gets hurt. That something could happen. Now, I brought up the notion that he could come back, play those six games that he has to play to become an unrestricted free agent, and fake an injury. James Harrison has allegedly come out and told him to do exactly that. Come back, play the minimum amount of games you have. As soon as you come back, as soon as you report, go into the game and ouch, ouch my hamstring and don't play the rest of the season. I was covering the Jacksonville Jaguars when Maurice Jones-Drew had a non-season ending leg injury that wasn't specified in week three and didn't play the rest of the year, then went to the Oakland Raiders. So it's not like it hasn't happened before. And it's not like I didn't potentially see it with Maurice Jones-Drew. What do you guys think about James Harrison following the notion that I've brought up on the show within the past month of, all right, Le'Veon, they're going to run you into the ground. You don't want to play for them. They don't really like you. You don't really like them. So go get your money, sign the franchise tag, and then fake an injury, and then go play somewhere else. I'm not saying it's the it's the true, it's the right thing to do, it's the moral thing to do, but James Harrison is now speaking my language of, if you don't like it, do what you need to do to report, and then ouch, ouch, my hamstring. James Harrison went from one of the most beloved people in Pittsburgh to one of the most disliked people in Pittsburgh. It happened rather, rather quickly, and... You know, I was talking with Jordan about this too yesterday. It just, it didn't have to be that way. You know what I mean? He didn't have to go out like that. He don't have to add these comments now after the fact. That's just to me, someone who's, who's disgruntled and is going to take his shots at, at Pittsburgh through through the media and that sort of thing. And you know, he he he. He could have been uh, really renowned in Pittsburgh, the ring, you know, been in the, the Steeler Hall of Fame, which is now in the stadium. And I don't know. I think those those things are probably off the table for him now. And I just that uh, players don't think about when their career's over, like how something they do will still affects them. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, and I think about this: 
if you were to do that in your real job, a regular person, like fake getting an injury at work, what what happens? A lawsuit. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's what we're talking about. That's really, in a sense, a criminal type behavior. So, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I think it's, it's, it's wrong. I think it's dirty. Um, but has, does it happen? I'm sure it does. You know, if Le'Veon Bell did that, would he be the first guy to do it? No, but it still doesn't make it right. Whether you're the fourth guy ever to do it or the or the tenth, you know, it's still the wrong thing to do. What do you think about it, Jordan? Um, I think the whole. I think it was handled extremely poorly by Bell. If he would have came out at the beginning of the season, said, "Listen, I understand you tagged me, but I I don't want to get hurt. I want to go into free agency," and been like upright with the whole team and just told him, "Like I can't risk getting injured." Instead, he didn't. He didn't do that. He just kind of hid away. And then let everyone else talk except him. He, I think he could have put a lot of the stuff to bed if he would have just came out. I would have rather hear him, and I assume his teammates would, come out and say, like, I'm not coming back. I can't get hurt. Instead of doing that, he kind of sat, like, with his, uh, sitting on his hands, didn't say anything, and let everyone else speak for him, and let the media speak for him. And it, it just kind of blew up into a much bigger thing than it, it should have been. So, and I, I think it'd be a hard time coming back to Pittsburgh. I, I don't see how that would work. You guys are both Steelers fans. What are your thoughts on the Le'Veon Bell situation? Uh, because I started with you last time, John, I'll start with you, Jordan. What do you think about Le'Veon Bell? As a fan, do you want him back? What do you think about the grand scheme of things? And what would you do if you were the GM right now? Um, originally you'd want him back because of the caliber player he is, but at this point I think he's already cut ties with everyone in the locker room and there's there's too much of a division between him and the, the organization. So I think at this point Pittsburgh should probably trade him. You're not going to get a whole lot because he can't sign long-term till after the year. So I think you take at least a second rounder and see what you can get. From there, I just don't. He he went way too far than I think it had to be. It could have been resolved, or even sit down with Pittsburgh before the year and tell them like I'll play. I just do not want to be be abused to the point where I'm risking injury. You know, give me a certain amount of carries. You know, I'll go over a little bit if we, it's a big game, but you know, kind of limit me. He didn't do that. He just he in Miami and is is partying almost. And having his uh, agent come out and say kind of ridiculous things, and it just stirs the pot where it really shouldn't have been. I mean, and, and he he has, you know, essentially, you know, just it doesn't look like he cares at this point. You know, we know that he has to return for a minimum of six games to be a free agent at the end of the season. I just put a poll up on Twitter. We have polls every single week on Twitter. So follow me at CallDT, that's C-A-L-L-D-T, in order to vote in these polls. What should Le'Veon Bell do in your opinion? Your choices are return and fake an injury, stay out the whole season, return ASAP, or return for the minimum six games that it takes to become a free agent at the end of the season. John, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Jordan. What would you do as the GM right now? And what are your thoughts as a Steelers fan about the Le'Veon Bell saga that's played out this year that... I saw it coming, but I will admit to you, I never thought it would get this bad. Yeah, I agree. I didn't think it would get this bad, too. I think, you know, I wish this was different circumstances, but I think Jordan Jordan already said it. I think 
this ship has sailed. I think he's he's he will never appear in a Steeler uniform again. And I, I don't know how. It, it almost might be more harmful than helpful at this point because I don't think he's well-liked with a lot of the, his teammates in the locker room. I think the organization has soured over how this whole thing has transpired. So I think, you know, whatever you might get, you're not going to get true value for this this caliber of player. And let's let's be real here. You're not going to get an equal value in return. But you also know he's probably not going to play for you anymore anyway. So yeah. get get a, the highest pick you can get. You know, you, you have to get at least a third rounder for him because if they do nothing and he signs with another team, they will get as compensation, they will get a third round pick. So to trade him for like a fourth round pick would make no sense because you, you just lost a round worth of draft pick. Yeah. So it's got to be a third pick, third round pick or higher. Um, you, I think you got to move on. It's become a distraction. I still think it's a distraction now, even though he's not in the locker room per se. Yeah. But the fact that it's it's a it's a question every week now from on both ends, from to the organization to him or his agent. I think the other the Jordan's touched on this too, and I agree. This was really mishandled. Le'Veon not really speaking for himself and his agent going on ESPN and and other uh, places and some of the things that were said that were that were not good Um, and the other thing if, if you if you read what the agent said and the few comments that Bell said they really weren't on par with each other Bell was kind of saying different things then the agent did say. Yeah, he brought that up before. Yeah, that, I would. He was like, "Oh, I, you know, he'll play for this." And then Le'Veon's like, "I didn't say I play." Or the whole like he's going to report on Labor Day. Yeah. And then he didn't report. So on Labor here Day. it would be like if you were my agent, you're saying one thing, and then I'm saying another, and you know right. we're looking at it. Everyone's looking at us like, "Are you John's agent? You're you're speaking two different languages." Yeah. I think that resonated. I think. Um, but I think that ship has sailed. I think these these two parties need to uh, cut ties. And you know it's sad because again, you know, like I spoke with James Harrison, um, Le'Veon Bell was on pace to be like a, a legendary Steeler running back. You know, with the Bettises and the Franco Harrises, you know, and that sort of thing. And that isn't going to be what it is no more. Yeah. And wherever he goes, his career may be shorter there than the years he played in Pittsburgh, but he's not going to be revered in the place he played the right. most years. And and that's the, in the end of the day, that's the, the tragic thing about the whole situation. Well, and I, I think the issue that, that comes, uh, comes about here is what you just brought up. He's not only messing with his time in the NFL in this moment, he's not messing with this season and the here and now and his money and his, his wallet, but he's messing with his legacy. He's messing with the reality that the team that he may play his best football for and had his best seasons with and most success with, you know, to take for granted making the playoffs and doing what they're able to do and, and, you know, leading the team the way he has and playing with the best receiver in the country and playing with the best quarterback, with one of the best quarterbacks in the country, to have all of this and to have a defense that is revered and known throughout history, to have a team that's known throughout history to be a part of a franchise that's won more Super Bowls than, than anybody else. When you look at all of these things that come about 
with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's not going to be in that ring of honor. He's not going to be revered by them. He's not going to be remembered by them. And he should be up there with the Antonio Browns and potential the Ben Roethlisberger's. This is a guy who should be up there in the ring of honor like James Harrison. It's not just about, and these are the short-sighted people. He's not thinking about his past. He's not thinking about his future. He is thinking about right now in this moment, I want to make this money. I want to get treated with respect. It's not about his history. And the other thing is 31 NFL teams are watching you hold a team hostage. You're not speaking. You're partying. That's what Johnny Manziel got in trouble for. Not only are you doing things like this, so you don't look like you have personal responsibility. You don't look like you're willing to compromise. You don't look like you really truly care about anything. You don't care about your teammates. You've disbanded from this. You haven't really come out and spoken about what your teammates have had to say about the situation. You don't care about your legacy. You don't care about the name that you that you have you know, the, 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 the picture on the front of the jersey, the logo that's on that jersey, you just care about the name on the back. All of these things go into this. All of these headaches and turmoil and the fact that this man has already been suspended in his career and he's been hurt in his career. So, yeah, he's a good running back. But what keeps me from saying he's the best in the league is that he's a problem. He's a head case. I thought he was going to make this an issue in the AFC Divisional Round game, and he did right before they played the Jaguars. I thought he was going to make this an issue this season, which is why I didn't draft him in fantasy football. But never did I think that Le'Veon Bell would get to a point where he legitimately will give up an entire season. Case in point, Terrell Owens, Chad Ochocinco, Des Bryant. There's guys that just, they want it, but they want it their way. And I understand that. And I respect that. And I want them to get their money. And I want them to get treated with respect. And I want them to get be taken care of for the rest of their lives. But if I'm Des Bryant, the farther I get into the season, the more I'm saying, why did I meet with Cleveland and say no? Why did I meet with Baltimore and say no? If I'm Terrell Owens, why didn't I just stay where I was? If I'm Chad Ochocinco, why did I make such a big stink about this, that, and the other thing? Le'Veon Bell, you don't want to go down as being one of the greatest potential players that we never really got to see in their entirety, or one of those guys whose season and career was cut too short because of his inability to compromise. That's not what you want to go down for. Right now, Le'Veon Bell is a really good running back who is sitting on a bench that he put himself on somewhere in the world, and instead of trying to get back on a team, instead of doing this, that, and the other thing, he's out at a club, which is telling every NFL team everywhere, yeah, the guy's a really good talent, but when does a good talent overtake the fact that he's a problem and a head case? Which, at what point do you say, I don't want to deal with that? It's just like I say to guys all the time about dating a girl. What level of crazy can eventually overtake how pretty she is? She may be a beautiful girl, but if she's nuts, she's nuts. And that's the way it is. It's the same with guys on the other end of it. How much crazy are you willing to take by sitting there and going, well, they have a really pretty face. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tatora. We're wrapping up here on MixLR.com backslash DT. You know us on there every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We've gone an extra hour for you on TGIF today, as we typically do. God bless you and take care. We'll talk with you this coming week on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And God bless in the meantime.